Make sure you like, subscribe, and ring the bell. <laughs> Hello, this is Ashley Gonzalez with Radiant Rhythm Initiative, and you're listening to Have Tap Shoes, Will Travel. Hello, and welcome to Have Tap Shoes, Will Travel. Ooh, happy birthday to Mr. Bojangles, Bill Bojangles Robinson, born Saturday, May 25th, 1878, and... This Wednesday, which is May 25th, 2022, he would have been 144 years old today. There you go. Some fun facts right there. I, I went on to this site called dayoftheweek.org, which that was fascinating. I typed in his birth date and I figured out what day of the week it was. And he was born on a Saturday. Looks like, turns out. Great. All right. Well, we've got a lot of stuff to talk about, and we have a special guest, Mr. Time Bricky, today as well. But first, I must tell you that this weekend, in celebration of National Tap Dance Day, which happens to coincide with Bill Bojangles Robinson's birthday, it is going to be going down in St. Paul. All right. We got the Keen Sense of Rhythm crew. They're doing National Tap Dance Day from 2 to 5 p.m. at the Como Pavilion. It's coming up. It's going to be on May 28th. It's this Saturday, this coming Saturday, if you are listening to this podcast right when it was put out. Great. All right. And then there's also the Minnesota Tap Dance Experience happening the day before that on Friday, May 27th from 6 to 9 p.m. And different, it's an all tap dance competition. It's happening here at Celtic Junction in St. Paul. And Mark Yonnelly is going to be there. Devon Suttles is going to be there. Time Bricky is going to be down there. People are going to be judging these competition pieces, these dancers and supporting. And it's going to be a lot of fun. I'd like to give a shout out to Erin Liebhart with Rhythmically Speaking. I ran, in her, ran into her over at Orchestra Hall, and she was at a performance of Bolero, Bolero, that was going on with multiple dancers here in Minneapolis, and she was wondering when I was going to be doing the next podcast, and so here we are. Here it is, and shout out to you. I told you I would give you a shout out. Here it is. Also to Anthony Lacascio. I know he's going to be on a summer tap tour coming up. He's going to be coming through in Minnesota in the beginning of August. Also doing a thing with Ricky Milan over there. Monday, August 1st through Saturday, August 6th, we have the Rhythm Street Movement is going to be presenting the Storyboard Experience, which is a live show, live band, classes, so many different things going on with this. And there's a presentation of a show at the very end of it all that the participants are creating themselves. So quite the experience. Go sign up for that at rhythmstreetmovement.com. So many great tap events happening in Minnesota. Coming up in June on the 9th through the 12th, Radiant Rhythm Initiative with Ashley Gonzalez. She's presenting the Swingin' Into Summer Tap Festival up in St. Cloud, Minnesota. And this has got a great lineup. Like Alexander Ostinen from Ukraine is there. Aaron Tolson, Naomi Funaki, Ashley Gonzalez herself is going to be teaching. Charles Renato, Chris Banjo-Rutledge, Trey Dumas, Ricky Milan. Robin Passmore and Melissa Tennis is going to be there too. So this, this you don't you don't want to miss this one. Check out radiantrhythminitiative.com 
for more information on that one. And then also Jared Grimes, I want to give a shout out to too, as as a Tony nominee right now for best actor and dancer and all around extraordinaire for Funny Girl on Broadway. Have to give him a shout out too. On this week's episode, it's going to be the first ever standing podcast that I've ever done. And Time Bricky and I were hanging out here in apartment 101 and standing in the kitchen recording this one. It was great. I think we've started a new wave of podcasting now. The Standing Podcast. Let it be known that this is the first ever standing podcast ever. Also, my brother Andy Oslin makes a cameo appearance and helps with some of the sound, starts doing some mixing in the middle of it. Oh yes, it was it was great. All right, we he also gave some shout outs on this one too. We had a cameo by Ted Lewis Levy. He gave like gave time a call while he was recording this episode. He he just came through with what he was just giving him a call right on his phone. And so yeah, you, you get to hear from him for a little bit on the episode as well. Recently, Lady Di, Diane Walker, was here in Minneapolis. She was in town working with Kalina Miller Dance and KMD2. And they did a show at the Southern Theater. And with Leah Spierka, they, they both, Diane and she, were teaching Leon Collins' work to, these, to, to Kalina's group. And they were presenting that at the Southern Theater in Minneapolis. And, yeah, they were learning Leon Collins' directly from them. And Max Pollock taught them some stuff. And Galen Higgins was also involved there. So, like, we got stuff going on here in Minnesota. Especially this weekend. Keen sense of rhythm. They're, they're cranking it up. It's going to be a party. Friday and Saturday. Get there. Anyway, I had lunch with Lady Di recently. It was in April. It was, I guess it was April 4th at this point. With uh, Deb and Kristen from Heartbeat Dance. And Leah was also there too. This was great. It was a great hang over at the Good Earth in Edina. At the Galleria. And while we were sitting there... I heard stories about how Black and Blue, the, the Broadway show, was made into a movie at one point, and it was Robert Altman that directed it, and that was fascinating, so it kind of got me going down a rabbit hole, and I, I looked up on IMDb, I found it, and it looked like it was from a TV series called Great Performances, and then Black and Blue's episode was in 1993, and yeah, this this looks awesome, and I wanted to find. I have to figure out a way to find a video of this so I can check it out. It looks like it was recorded on February seventeenth in nineteen ninety three, and it's like a two hour series episode of Black and Blue. And he does stuff where they're showing the show itself, but then they're also showing stuff behind the scenes. And yeah, I, I I need to hunt this down. I was looking at some of the people that were involved with the making of it, too. And phew, these dancers, the list of dancers are unreal. We got Ruth Brown, too, who's a singer. Woo, famous jazz singer. But you got Bunny Briggs, Lon Chaney. You got Jimmy Slide in there. You got Diane Walker. Man, Eugene Fleming's in there. There's It looks like such a great list. Van Porter I see on here. Dormisha's in there. Man. I got to find a, a video of this somewhere and let me know if you have a link to find where this is. I'm going to keep searching, but looking for black and blue. I think my neighbor's having some, having a cleaning day today. 
So you, you might hear some stuff in there. It's this kind of stuff happens here. It's okay. I'd like to give a shout out to Matt and Carrie over at the Dancing Fair. If you need tap shoes, hit them up, dancingfair.com. Or give them a call. They can they can handle it either way. Just hit them up if you need new shoes, if you need tights, if you need new taps put on your shoes, if you need tap shoe repairs, if you need some custom shoes made for you, that's where you go. Hit up Matt the Shoe Guy over at the Dancing Fair. Also like to give a shout out to Keen Sense of Rhythm, Ellen Keen and Kathy Wind. Looking forward to their upcoming celebration this weekend. National Tap Dance Day celebration and tap dance competition going on Friday and Saturday. You can find them at tapcompany.org. Get all the information. Like I said, we got Mr. Time Bricky in town, and he was doing the sh- the run of shows of Jelly's Last Jam over at the Ritz Theater in Minneapolis. And so thankful he was able to stop by and tell us. He gave us some stories about behind the scenes of the creation of that show. He also was talking about learning tap from Reggio the Hoofer McLaughlin down in Chicago, Illinois. And shout-outs to Sarah Reich and Jared Grimes and Michelle Dorrance and Tristan Bruins and Jumani. And, yeah, the, he, he goes into a whole lot of different wonderful things. And he's also a puppeteer, which is fascinating to hear about that, too. So also on today's episode, my brother Andy's song, he's got a song on here called Pale Moonlight. And it's available on Spotify and Apple Music. If you click down in the show notes, you'll find a link there. It recently got a review from my 12-year-old nephew, and he said that slaps. He said that the song officially slaps. All right, let's get on with this. All right, we're going to hear from Mr. Time Bricky. But first, my brother Andy's song that apparently slaps. Here it is. Enjoy. Check one, two, yes. Oh, it's on. Are you on time? <clears throat> I think I'm on. Yes. Hello? Yes. I hear you. I am in the kitchen. Yes. I've got coffee. Uh-huh. I've got a whiskey concoction. <laughs> and 
I'm in the kitchen again. All right, I'm, I'm going to carry this out there and see if I can make it all the way. That's, that's, uh, this is one, and then yeah. this is... gonna need much gaining but i think it's yeah just just so the recording doesn't want to get sour okay sour power is no flower truer i have headphones over there too but like that's not gonna reach all the way in here but that's not that big of a deal really (laughs) who wants coffee oh we got this levels over here guys (laughs) (laughs) thanks andy Wow, this is a this is the first standing podcast. Do you think this is the first ever standing podcast? Because if so, we should copyright it. I think so. Yeah, standing room only. <laughs> the podcast. Good. That's a good title. The SRO podcast. <laughs> Welcome everybody. I hope I'm not. I hope that was an audible. <laughs> what I was just doing to the mic stand, but hopefully we'll see. Oh, look at that! Andy's hey. Andy's over here taking photos of the scene of the crime. Uh, this is a Guinness World Record first. We are doing the very first ever standing podcast. Yes. And we're standing while we do it. Welcome to Have Tap Shoes, Will Travel. Oh, man. I'm so excited to be back. We've got Mr. Time Bricky in the house today. Mr. Time. <laughs> Mr. Time. Man, I, I know a, a guy who he goes by Father Time. I know another guy. His name is Keith Porter. He's, he's a wonderful musician and mixer, member of P-Funk at one point. He was on tour with them. Oh, my God. Vocalist. But he plays keys, too. That's the other, that's the other time-related person that I know. You know, I've also only met one other person named Time, and it was a young woman, and her name was spelled the same way as mine, which was really, it was blowing my mind. Was, yeah. Very, sometimes people will, like... Assume that it's spelled T H Y M E or T Y M E, and it's you know, like after the spice, not, right? But no, I'm not spicy. I am just T I M E. That's that's one for the world. He's not spicy. He's timey. I'm timey. Yeah. You got this. <laughs> yes. Man, wow! Welcome to Minneapolis time. Thank you. You've been here before a few times. Quite a few times, I, yes. See, sometimes I feel like I just speak normally, but I'm by saying the word time in a sentence, sometimes I feel like I'm doing a play on your name, but it's not. Yeah. No, you'll you'll get used to it. Cool. Everyone does. Yeah. <laughs> Eventually. Eventually, they do. And it's like nothing. And then there's a complete separation in your brain, hopefully. Right. Or not. It, it's, it all works out. We're going to die either way in the end, you know? Right. Man, wow, it's it's already, well, we're already there. We found that place. Yeah, I mean, this is why we had to take the mics into the kitchen, because <laughs> we, <were all, laughs> we were already talking. You come over, I'm like, hey, you want anything? You're like, yeah, some water, or some coffee, or, <laughs> you know, if, if you got anything to drink, we could do that too. It was like, yeah, all of those things sound great. What do I have? <laughs> oh, I've got this Hamilton Isla... It says Isla, but I know it's pronounced Isla because it's a scotch and like whatever. I won this in a raffle at the Southern Theater and it was a wall full of booze raffle Mm -hmm. and each each raffle ticket was $20 to enter it. So they were getting rid of old bottles of booze. Totally. And some people had entered multiple times. Not even old bottles. Like they're all brand new. I mean, no one had drank off of them yet or anything. 
Sure. There was like at least 20 bottles of wine in that wall of booze, plus mm. other things. Like, I still have a moonshine up here. Oh my god. Like, I never really get to the moonshine very often. I wouldn't either. You know? That's... When's what's the occasion? What is that? What's the occasion? <laughs> Tell me. <laughs> I don't even know what point of reference I have with moonshine. Really. <laughs> but I've tried this. I've tried this scotch a couple times, and it's got a little smokiness to it, kind of like a Laphroaig does, but a little different. I don't know. Right, and we. I don't know a lot about scotch. And then we did. We tried this this smoky whiskey, and yeah. it was it was actually like pretty good. I'm I'm down with it. Nice. But then we we threw. We threw some ginger beer on top of that and a little yeah. bit of a little bit of vermouth, a little mouth. Yeah. We moothed it up. And it's actually not bad. Yeah, I'm like that's something. I'm swimming in this and the coffee, I love it. <laughs> Times double fisting. Some organic coffee. Oh, it's organic? Of course. What do you think? I'm gonna mess around with Folgers? What is You're you were on their way over? Are, wait, are vultures involved in coffee? Not that I know of. I'm confused. Then. Folgers. Fol- Folgers. But vultures is a fun word. Uh, hey, you got a call coming in. Yes, I do have a call. Do coming you want to say in. hello to this person? Uh, yeah, I'm gonna. I'm gonna take is this your call. sister. It is. It's my sister. Oh, the one and only China okay. Bricky. Oh, actually, you know, mm. I just missed the call. Man, it took too it's long. No, yeah, it did. It really did, and that's a shame because I'm not gonna make a time joke right now. I. It sounds like that's you not, actually are. I can't. I can't do that. I, oh. I can't do that to you. You are a guest. You're a guest of honor. And yet we're talking about it oh now. Oh my goodness. What's it's okay. The, I want to hear it. What is it? What's the time joke? That was, I mean, I was just like, I wasn't even going to formulate it. Oh, okay. Like I was what like, I could, I could go on some riff me. here and find something. But like, <laughs> you know, what, what, what could that, what, what's that going to do? How's that going to help this? It would, it would only tear us apart. Andy is our engineer in the other room. He's making sure that the sound levels are good because right now we've decided to do the world's first standing podcast. Nobody has ever, ever done this where they've stood while discussing life. It's unheard of until this day. Unheard of. Unprecedented. (laughs) We usually have headphones on, but today I don't. And Andy's, Andy's got them on. He's making sure we sound good. Do we sound good? Sound good, guys. Oh! Should should I use my radio voice? Ooh. Hello, cats and dogs and and uh, people. How are you? No, okay, I'm done. AMS. AS Lamb R. Love it. A list. M. R. Amen, Sam Dar. Okay, okay. So for those for those of you who don't know you yet, this is this is always the thing that bridesmaids say at the beginning of their maid of honor speech too. The, for those of you who don't know me, <laughs> my name is Jenna, and I'm here to talk about Cynthia, who's getting married today. All right, time. You're from Chicago, Illinois. Chicago, Illinois. Can you yes. tell us a little bit about like your your start in tap dancing and my start yeah, in tap dancing? How did you get started? I got started. Well, so I've I've really been doing it since I've um, since I was 15. But there is a small like little story. Uh, when I was four years old, I took a class with Reggio McLaughlin. The Hoofer. Yes, wow. Reggio the Hoofer. Yes. Um. Because 
my dad has been teaching at the Old Town School of Folk Music in Chicago for like 30, year, <clears throat> 30 years, and so is Reggio. And so I've kind of known him since I was a little baby. Wow. I took his class one day when I was four years old, and my mom says that I was like just loving the heck out of some tap shoes and going crazy on the floor, and then... Um, and then at the end of the class, I was like, I'm never doing that again. Oh. And then I didn't until I was 15 and I saw my sister doing it. I had joined a uh, a youth theater group called Studio B. And wow. the, the head of that small company, Tamara Drew, was um, leading a tap combo for their, I think it was the Fierce Dance Troupe. That was what they called it. Um and my sister was uh, was doing the number, and I was like, oh, that's actually, uh, you know, pretty cool. And so I got yes. interested in it, and I asked for some private lessons from Tamara, and she gave me private lessons, and we had so much fun together and became, like, the closest of friends. And um, sometimes, so I would, like, I would do a lesson for, like, an hour, or I'd have, like, an hour lesson, and then it would last, like, three hours just because we are like, Man. really just, like, into what we were doing. And I was, like gobbling it up because i just loved it i was so into it I, yeah i don't know you know you know how it feels like you're just like okay this yeah this is good <laughs> the flow <laughs> yeah um and like i wasn't like amazing but i picked up like everything that pretty much everything that she could give me and she was like that's kind of all i could give you and so then i went back to reggio to see like um to see like what else was out there and and for like a year or two, I, I forget how long it was, um, I trained with Reggio and he taught me a lot of really uh, great traditional stuff that I still sure. use today and I still teach today. Um, when he taught me the Shim Sham, he taught me the um, very long version of the Shim Sham, which is like um, the one that he does with his students is like includes a lot of what swing dancers will do. Yeah. He's very like cross, uh, what is it? Not cross trained, but. You know, Reggio does flamenco. He knows a lot about swing dance, and totally. he's a bassist and like plays R and B and is a singer and everything. You know, he does everything. Yeah. But so I I learned a lot working with Reggio, and then eventually, um, I was I grew up homeschooling from like fourth grade, and some of my friends who are also homeschooling, I also met through Studio B. Um, found this homeschool tap class that Tristan Bruins was teaching. Yeah. And I met him, started taking class with him, and my friend's mom convinced him to uh, let me follow him around and uh, go to his rehearsals with the tap men, which is him, Marty Bronson, and Zayda Cheeks. Wow. Um, and then I would hang out at their rehearsals and, like, watch and try to pick up as much as I could, and, like, I would get steps and not usually like learn whole pieces and then they would teach me stuff like um the bs chorus mm -hmm. and so i would do that with them to the song goofus yeah um and uh do a lot of tristan's choreography what else oh and and that is where um marty and tristan started ripping the lon cheney choreography from um mm. i guess it's choreography it might be kind of improvography, but uh, Big Diesel going north, you know what I'm talking about? He had this performance at Le Cave in 94, which Jumani had posted on 
YouTube, but I think he took it down. Oh. Um, I don't he had know. a video of that? Yeah, there's, there's definitely, it's definitely out there. There's a, a video of Lon Chaney doing this. It was on YouTube. It is no longer on YouTube, but you can definitely find it somehow. Sure. You know, being a nerd. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Nerds can find anything. But, um, but they were like super interested in, in ripping a lot of old footage. Um, like they were trying to pick up Opus One from the YouTube video so they could mm. do it. Um, so they could do it with their company and picking up Lon Chaney's thing. Tristan pulled an entire Chance Taylor piece, uh, Fancy Feet. Yeah. Um, he learned that, and that's you know, in respect to the tradition, nobody's trying to um, profit or make money off of these things. I don't know that any of them are like you know teaching workshops of these dances or anything. I know there's like lots of lots of good conversations to be had around that subject but that um, would be that's an interesting idea too being able to like present chance taylor's work as a workshop piece and somehow maybe you know it's it's wow. not it's not something you necessarily want to um to do without like you know consent of the family or like doing yeah you know you, you really want to be careful around around that kind of stuff because yeah. like dancers don't have copyright and so we we really have to work in like this respect system when it comes to that stuff yeah that topic has been very popular i've noticed like with vincent patterson who choreographed parts of thriller he was in the thriller video he, mm. he choreographed smooth criminal and madonna's vogue videos and like a lot of famous videos that were done by iconic people and sometimes his choreography well each year like they teach thriller choreography mm. around halloween time people will right. start ho hosting and they weren't even in the thing, but they'll they'll still host things and charge people money to teach the thriller choreography to the kids or whatever. But yeah, it, it's like in in one sense, like yeah, that's classic choreography. Yeah, and you kind of everyone wants to know it, you know, like the yeah. same as the single ladies choreography. A lot of people totally. really want to know want to know that, and of course you want to teach it, and of course as a teacher you want to get. Uh, paid for when you're teaching and right. paid for the knowledge that you've worked to build for yourself but like teach the history where did it come from yeah <laughs> you gotta you gotta be so mindful of that and i'm sure there's a conversation to be had around teaching those things but also you know is there a way musicians to teach songs all the time right that everyone True. else is taught so and the best tap dancers when we think of them like oftentimes they'll say things like the best tap dancers think approach it from a musicality standpoint or from the same direction that a musician might approach it from sure so we're if we're playing music but yeah and anyway anyway what do you got i what was i talking about you were flowing time you went you know you just sometimes the whiskey and the coffee they they just it's like one kicks it up oh yeah baby. the other one kicks it to the side they're they're having a conversation and it's I think it's the ginger beer and the the hint of vermouth that's in there. Oh no! I was telling you about what uh, uh, about my my personal tap history. Yes, sir. Um, I was so, hearing it. So through hanging out with Tristan and Marty and Zeta. Yes. Yeah. Oh oh yeah, we talked. We about were the at Chance, Chance and we were talking about presenting his choreography to be learned by other people as a way of honoring him. But then you you had a lot of different um, ideas of like how to go about that. It sounds like. Yeah, I like I well, I don't know. I don't I don't think I have any any answers for for that. 
but I, I do think they're interesting questions. Definitely. Um, but um, doing stuff with them kind of really got me into like, got me inspired by the tradition and and knowing the the history and knowing the names of people and sure and like i don't know back to my first teacher she was always um having me watch youtube videos of of the people that i wanted to be like or the the tap dancers that i wanted to see the first person the first tap video that i that like got me into it i knew i was like into tap dance but then the first lesson I ever had before we did anything she's like I need to show you my favorite tap dancer and it was Savion yeah and she showed me this video of him playing brother time in um in a show called timeless wow um, by Barbara Streisand and um and I had <laughs> I had locks at the time and she was like you've got locks Savion's got locks she's like this is just like very inspiring for me to see and and uh she got I don't know. She just kind of got me really interested in that tradition. And then, like, seeing other greater dancers, like, studying uh, studying people in YouTube videos and, like, yeah. you know, just eating through footage really kind of emboldened that for me. Sure. And, um, and I think that's, like, that's what drove me to really want to be part of Mad Rhythms. And, of course, Tristan was part of Mad Rhythms, and he... Uh, he like brought me in and at the time they had like a thing where each company member could bring on one apprentice to the company and uh so Tristan brought me on nice and um for ever I was like I was going back and forth between like college and then coming back in the summer and shedding and trying to pick up whatever I could at mad and uh uh man just so many good times um but then like after graduating i think it was a few years and then i finally uh um finally became a full company member with my friends uh kj and carmen and um and then you know that's i think when i started really considering myself a professional but i was also Mm. uh you know going to tap festivals um really just the the human rhythm project and then um, I went to DC a couple times, yeah. and uh, what, what else? I did go to the Minneapolis Tap Fest, you know, like in like one of the first ones. Um, I've been to quite a few of the Minneapolis Tap Festivals. Well, we as, have the Twin Cities Tap Festival, but yeah, we also I mean, used Twin to have Tappin' in the Twin Cities. Oh, I did not like, go to that one. That was like late 90s kind of time, which um, yeah, Taisha Collins was involved with that. And Taisha was also in the film Bamboozled with Savion. Mm. Yes. Okay. And Cartier Williams was in that movie too, I remember. But there's like... um, So there's two different people were presenting festivals at different times. But then they kind of... With the Twin Cities Tap Festival, that was like Kalina and Brenna that brought that back in. And Matt at the Dancing Fair was involved with that one. and. Right he was actually right. involved with the Tappan in the Twin Cities one as well back in the day. But Brill, that's where I first met Brill. Oh, at Tappan in the Twin Cities? Yes. Oh, when, okay. when he came up here. And then Reggio the Hoofer was performing, but he also was performing with Ernest Brownie Brown. Oh, my God. Taking him around, doing stuff with him. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, there was... Brenda Buffalino was here. Like, all these tap greats were brought up here. And uh, Savion was one of them that was here at the time. And his mother, Yvette, Miss Yvette Glover, mm-hmm. she was like... 
she came in and sang some gospel songs for that. Man. Diane Walker was here for that. See, these I always hear these stories. I, w- I wish that I was like part of that generation. <laughs> Sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes I do. It's like I got in right at the tail end because like 98 and 99 we went to the St. Louis Festival. Mm-hmm. It was like right at the, like Robert Reed was still doing stuff down there. Brought in like Jimmy Slide and we get to meet all these greats. But Brill was there too and he was one of the younger guys there at the time too. Mm-hmm. I was like, man. I remember at the tapping in the Twin Cities Festival, I've talked about this before on the podcast, but he came out with some headphones on mm-hmm. and he had music playing in the headphones, but he improvised to whatever he was listening to in the headphones, but the audience didn't hear the music. Oh, that... They just heard his feet. Mm-hmm. And I just thought that was the coolest idea and it was so simple, but that one stuck with me. Yeah, man, I love Brill. <laughs> All right, so you're, you're up here in Minneapolis now. You... You you did 42nd Street down in Chicago, but then now you're it up here did. with Theater Latte Da, recently doing Jelly's Last Jam. Yes, absolutely I am. That is true. <laughs> uh, you know what? I'm going to move this a little bit closer to you. So I can... Oh, yeah. I'm like away now. There. Now it's not even up in your space, but it's just a little closer to your mouth. Sure. Um, is that better? Yeah, sounds good. Oh, I mean, oh, he's yeah. going to sound good either way. I mean, come on. It's this this silky smooth... Yeah, Silk Sonic. (laughs) (laughs) I've rarely ever used the word Silk Sonic in sentence before, but I'm glad to be able to fit that one in there somehow. Yes, I'm I'm throwing out some Silky Sonics. (laughs) Kendrick. It's an original. Oh my god. Oh yeah, we were talking about the Kendrick Lamar. Oh my god. Uh I'm, I'm just very... I'm very pleased to... To, to hear tap dance in yes. like a context where it's like they're not talking bad about tap dance they're not right. using it as like a like a, they're not trying to say people are being minstrels by tap dancing at all yeah. or being like you know they're not trying to use it as a derogatory term he's using it as music which is what it is yeah. and it's just really uh it's just lovely and he's mixing it yeah. when you hear his like beat it's like it's just really, mm. <laughs> it's just very satisfying that he's playing with the tap and it sounds good and it's like, and it's two kids, Freddie and Teddy. Yeah. Oh my God. On the on the way up. What what lovely things. With Chloe and Maude, you say earlier, like that's, they were affiliated with them. Yeah. So I, I unfortunately don't know the story very well. Yeah. Well, whatever. Uh, we're all learning here. But. <laughs> I'm just gonna make up a story. No, uh, what I do know is Chloe, uh, um, in in their Facebook post, they've said that Chloe's their mentor, and mm-hmm. they've worked with um, with Asada of the Syncopated Ladies nice. for quite a while. Um, and they just they sound good, and that's very very pleasing to me. Yeah, that tap dance is like being represented really well and really by young kids, and that's like an even cooler level to it. Yeah. Who's your mentor? My mentor? Um, I don't know. I feel like I've had like a million mentors in the past. Um, yeah. I, it's, it's hard to say. I think just the higher generation. The, the closest mm. thing that I would have to, like, I would have had to a mentor in yeah. the tap scene would have been uh, Tristan Bruins. Yeah. Because I definitely spent the most time with him. Awesome. And like, um, like carrying tap boards to all of his shows and making like you know he was very much doing like a lot of diy theater at the time and 
Um, that definitely inspired a lot of my interest in that. He's a, an insane practicer, and that's informed my own practicing. I, I can't say that I practice as hard as him, but it, you know, it gives me something to aspire to. Sure. Know? So yeah. in that sense, but like also just all of the dancers in Chicago have kind of inspired me in different ways. And like, you know, so many great uh, dancers down there. There's so many people in to look up space. to. Man. Yeah. Just like incredible, incredible dancers who like, I mean, incredible musicians and they don't even act like they're incredible musicians. They just, they're just like, I'm a tap dancer and this is what a tap dancer is supposed to sound like. And yeah. You can't help but be like, well, shit, yeah, that's what a tap dancer's got to sound like. So if I'm going to be a tap dancer, i got to sound like that, you know? Do they ever have tap night at the Green Mill, that jazz club? Um, they don't have a tap night, but Reggio will dance there pretty regularly. Oh. Um, he, um, Alan Gresick has a swing shift orchestra, has a swing orchestra called the Swing Shift Orchestra. Nice. And... Um, He's uh, he's done a lot of Reggio shows. They work together a lot. Reggio will join him at the Green Mill, and and then a lot of a lot of other tap dancers have come through for their jams. They've got a jam. I think it's like every Friday night that goes to like one a.m. or something. Nice. So you you do see tap dancers every once in a while around Chicago, but you know you don't see a lot of things since the pandemic, obviously, and you know it just depends on where people are at. I totally I, yeah. Yeah. Well, you've been, you've also been jamming that. So one of the places that I would bring people from out of town whenever they come here, if, when they want to, I want to show off some music. Mm-hmm. I always bring them over to Bunkers for the combo. Bunkers! That's, that's like every Sunday. It used to be every Sunday and Monday night, but I think they kind of trimmed that back for a little while. Yeah. The, apparently since the pandemic, they're not doing Mondays. Yeah. That's fine. I'm so glad they're back on Sundays, but mm. oftentimes it's Michael Bland on drums down there. And like, there's so many greats, but like Julius Collins is in there. He's oh God, and he's Julius. been singing with them ever since I started seeing them like years ago, and yeah, Margaret like, Cox is still up in there, and uh, then you got Sonny T. He'll start playing the bass and just ripping your face off, and man, so you've been you've been getting up with them while you've been in town. You've I been, have, yeah, I've had an incredible opportunity to jam with them a couple times. I'm doing it again this Sunday. Nice, um, he's on it. Oh my God, it is. The coolest honor. Sonny yeah. Thompson is like one of the best musicians I've ever seen in yeah. person live. Like no joke. <laughs> and then just to just to be able to hang on stage with him and like we we traded and yeah. that was magical for me. Yeah. Um ugh. but the whole reason I was even able to do that is because of my incredible friend Julius Collins, who's yeah, the, the leading uh, the one of the lead singers of the group. Yeah. Um, and he's just so nice. He's like the nicest person I've ever met. Yeah. Also but, a singer for Greasy Meal. Yes, the lead singer for Greasy Meal and also the um, the actor portraying Buddy Bolden in our production of Jelly's Last Jam, yes. which just closed. Um, and I sat next to him in the dressing room. He was the first person that I met when I came to do the show okay i'm getting a little emotional now we just closed yeah. two days ago yeah um, man congratulations man you, your run was you. extended and everything yeah you know we got a, we got a little extra week yeah and 
Yeah, and then <laughs> and then you went into oh, the lead, and then I had to understudy the lead, and Man. that was that was crazy. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I went on opening night, so I, I you weren't playing the lead that night. Mm. Were you? What I was, was it? What was the, what was your official title at that time? Um, featured dancer. Yeah, definitely featured dancer. Yeah, it was like it was just an ensemble role, but they kind of yeah. like they kind of carved me a role because. I came in there as like a tap dancer. Totally. And the director of this of this show like knows tap dance. She's uh, you know, she worked at the Ordway when they did Forty Second Street here. So she met Jared and Phil, um, Jared Grimes and um, Phil Atmore. Andy was in that one too. Andy, you were in that one. I was in that one. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god! I I didn't see it. I'm sorry. I didn't know. No, it's so it was spectacular. The, the... Yeah. That's what I heard. And they had the do it right mics on their feet and everything? Yes, and we had those in, in uh, our show as well. I yes. forgot to post about them. I'm I've, I've got, I got two sets of them right in here. Oh my God. Shout out to DeWitt Fleming. Come on, DeWitt. Do it right. Man, yeah, I built do a it kit. Right all day, I, be- all night. I built a kit that has two receivers in it and makes it really easy to have two sets of shoes going at once. Uh, uh, uh. Yeah, I can show you that. Do you want to see it? Here, I'm going to grab it right now. Okay, this is grabbing it. This is a good podcast right now. Now's a good time for a commercial break. This show is brought to you by... Oh, okay, never mind. Check it out. Oh, come on, gator bag. It's all in a bag. He's got a rack. It's in a gator bag, but it's got the two wireless lavalier pack Uh kits, and then it's got a Sure Dual BLX system in there, so you got... Both channels of wireless coming in. Okay, we then, yeah we need to talk outside of this podcast as well. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Gear. So we've got these, the do it right. He sends them to you in like these cool pouches with the with buttons on it and like little stickers and everything. Lovely pouches. And then I got Andy's one in here too. It looks he's he's got his Forty Second Street. I'll show you a piece of memorabilia from the Forty Second Street crew. Please, please. You might know about these. You've probably already seen these. No, this is not a dance belt time. I I wasn't gonna say that. Okay. But now I'm thinking. Time. It. This is a dance belt. Okay. There. All right. There is there, a dance there we belt. Go. Get that the hell out of here. They brought. I can't out believe a dance I just touched belt. that. Okay. So this is Let the the belt pack that they built for them, oh. so that you can hold your you yeah. can hold your wireless pack, and it's got elastic with Velcro, as I'm sure you can hear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, you got a whole kit, but yeah. do it. Dwit sends you with that kind of stuff too. You know, you get the whole kit. I like this am way, such a fan sh- of yeah. this like tap dancer economy. <laughs> oh, here's the other. Here's the other thing. If you don't want to plug your mics in, but you want to plug your bass or guitar in, these are also wireless guitar packs. Oh If, if you plug these Lord. these cables in instead. My Lanta. There we go. Holy gear. If, Not so if humble, you old all, gearbag. Oh, there goes that. If all you listeners care, look. It, that Take stuff a look. is cool. Just look at this. Look. Well, it makes it so you can be on stage, as you probably you've already discovered. Like, if you wanted to walk into the audience and go tap dance on, like, right near someone, you could because everywhere you walk, you hear the sound. It's like right on your shoe. So how? Noise the, Funk taught me this long ago. Like, mm. they were the ones that originally were doing this. In oh, the, for real? In the mid-90s, Noise Funk was doing this. They didn't... So that never happened... Like, Gregory wasn't doing that before then? He might have been. And when I saw Jelly's Last Jam with Maurice Hines, mm-hmm. it was 
I can't tell you what how they were miking it at the time because sure. I wasn't really dialed in as much with that yet. Absolutely but, understandable. Man, yeah. I think Savion and Noise Funk, that was like the first time I'd ever seen the shoe mics. Wow. So how do you put the mics in your shoe? Oh, that's a great question. Because in, so, and I did this the same way in 42nd Street that I did in Jellies, but they kind of asked me how to do it for Jellies because, Mm. you know, they just don't, they didn't know anything about tap dance. So I was like, okay, I'm going to what I do. And so I would just through the front the front thread of the shoe, like the very, the bar on the very bottom of the shoe, I would tuck the mic underneath that and then, and then tie the wire into the top. That's what we, what we all did when we were doing 42nd Street at Drury Lane in Chicago. Okay. Not that this is on video, but now I handed him a shoe. Here's a visual reference yes. for all of you who are watching right now, which yeah. is zero. Zero of you are watching this at all. But yeah, you just tuck it into the front of the shoe and then you tie the wire totally. in. Is that how you do it? Yeah, I would... Originally, when I first started using mics, it was like in 2009. We had a place that made them for us. Basically mm-hmm. did what Dwit does. They soldered the two mic elements to one jack that would work with their Sennheiser packs back in the day. Mm-hmm. And we would rent them from the place whenever we wanted to use them because mm-hmm. they still owned all the stuff. But uh, I, I would run them... Down through the laces a little bit, and then, especially like under this part, on the very bottom part of the lace that's closest yeah. to your toes, and then we put a little piece of Velcro right here, and Velcro. then and then I wrapped Velcro around the perimeter of the mic, the other side of the Velcro, mm-hmm. and then you could just Velcro it right there, and then I would put a piece of gaff tape over that to hold it in place. Oh. But, so- here's the other thing. The Rockettes have been doing some stuff back in the day. It was a while mm-hmm. ago, but... They created, the whole pack fits right inside the heel of the shoe. Okay. Those were like thousands of dollars when I looked them up. I'm sure. For each channel. It was like... It, it was for gonna each be, channel? For Andy and I to both have them, it would have been like 10 grand or something at the time, it seemed like. It was like so much oh, more than, like le- than this right. kind of solution, and this still sounded good. But where they had their mic right here, so like if you uh-huh. flip your shoe upside down and you uh-huh. point to the heel, that like right in that area is where the mic would be coming out. And then to charge them, you would just plug them in USB, and it would charge the the unit that stays in the heel. A USB, which charged. would add a little weight wow. to the heel, but that's not such a big deal. Probably barely noticeable. Here's heavy the next already. Thing. I want to I want to figure cool. out a way to drill a hole this way through the back and have the mic in here still, because no uh-huh. matter where you hit your foot, you're never gonna you never hurt gonna hit anything. The mic. But it could run right through here. If we can make a channel and then maybe reinforce it with something oh, that's like a clever. metal tube. Yeah. And then you can slide the mic right through and then it can come up here, up, up the back of your leg. Okay, that's lit. Now, yeah. how did they do it in the movie Tap, I wonder? Because they also had the MIDI thing going on with his like electronic taps, but Gregory's running all around the place. Yes, it's movie magic maybe, but well, how is he so wireless? Apparently it was done live. That's what, oh. or at least they were getting live MIDI information, but... I mean, it seems like something that you could totally have done in post. It seems like totally it was not necessary to do it live. But Sarah Reich's teacher, one of her one of her tap teachers, yeah. was ah uh, oh my god, I'm blanking on the name. I know so many people who would. Know it was his Alfred name. Desio that came yes! up with the stuff originally. Yes. Yeah, with techno taps, he he patented, and then Nick Bowman was touring with his group called Caution Tap Men at Work. Mm-hmm. I think that's also how he met Chance Taylor. Like, 
It was back in that day. Like that's when I met him. It was like in two thousand one when he would join us on the promenade. Yoshi was the other one. Yeah, shout out to Yoshi. He had some white tap oh, shoes. Yoshi. I remember Chance had some white tap shoes on too. I think he was kind of known for shoe. always wearing white taps. Oh really? On his yeah. Man, I feel so young. Back <laughs> <laughs> Hey, that's not bad. I mean, tap kind of keeps you young, too, I think. That's okay. what all the old people say. Let it be known that I'm re-upping on my coffee. Yes! You got enough we're... coffee over there? In the, engineer world over there? Pot. This will be my third cup of coffee for the day. Dang! Okay, very but, good. But, you know, like, what's a full cup of coffee at this point? I Is mean, this, like... these are kind of small. Don't coffee. drink all of it. I'm not gonna drink all. No, we got plenty. We got there's plenty of that where that came from. When? He's not scared. When? When? Thank you. When? Sounded good, guys. Oh man, thanks. Thank you very much. Wow. Okay. So what's happened since opening night during this run of Jelly's Last Jam? Do you have any memorable moments did someone ever yell something weird from the audience or what, what's happened <laughs> yes a lot of a lot of people have yelled weird things from really? the audience oh my god we you just get hecklers not hecklers but like okay. um so oh man i've got so many good memories on this show um so we have it's you know it's a reasonably small theater it's like 250 seats i think the ritz the ritz theater yeah. um theater latte da again is the theater we did it at yeah um so we could see our audience pretty well um as an all-black cast uh for kind of an all-white theater like pretty much the entire staff at theater latte da is um white white i think they're they're all white yeah Except there's a lot of white people in minnesota we we had a black biracial director um and then um a cast of 11 people yeah um and i think 13 people in the cast all together two understudies sure and both understudies went on um but what was i saying see now i'm losing my train of thought all black cast we at had the Ritz. It was a all yes. Black. So we had an all black cast at the Ritz, and it was very apparent to us that we had an all white production uh, team. Oh, and or I mean, like we had like uh, in terms of like an artistic team, we had like a black costume designer, we had a black uh, music uh, supervisor, mm -hmm. and a black director. But pretty much the rest of the entire team was white, and you know it's. There's nothing wrong with, I shouldn't say there's nothing wrong with that, but you know, it's like, it's not like we're directly com complaining about that, it's, but it's something you notice walking into a space. And Definitely. It's, um, and it's also very apparent that the audience is largely white, largely older, and you know, it's like a theater audience is like usually older white people. They have, you know, usually a higher income because our tickets were minimum thirty dollars. Mm -hmm. We could have a seventy dollar ticket though. Like, yeah. very, you know, it's like it's expensive. Who's gonna go see that? Like, I like if I have a show in Chicago, I like, and I say it's fifteen dollars. Sometimes people will be like, it's fifteen dollars, or like if it's twenty dollars, people are like, whoa, that's a lot of money. Mm. Um, and of course, like some people are gonna pay the ticket, but like who are who are those people? It's usually people who already have the money. Sure. And so, it's. It was like a big conversation with us, like we're, you know, 
we're doing an all black show that features us in some form of blackface. We're, we were wearing right. white lips in the show. Yeah. It's a very vulnerable place for us to be. Definitely. And so we're just very, very aware of the audience during the show. Um, we, we count the black people in the audience almost every show. Wow. <laughs> we would, we'd count them. We'd be like, I can see like three today or I could see one. Wow. And, and it's not like, it's not like we were just like thinking we're just performing for them, but like it kind of felt like we weren't alone out there. Um, but so the audience, to answer your actual question, we did hear a lot of really funny things from the audience and um, it really depended on the show. Sometimes it would be like we'd hear phones in the audience and oh that my God. made us so mad because we would have like yeah. moments where moments that were totally silent and and then all of a sudden you hear and then ugh. Um, but and it's the default ring it's not even a cool ring or anything no. yeah <laughs> like come on at least give us something <laughs> that one came with your phone you've never switched it but then um you know you'd get people saying stuff like you know the character jelly is very racist and like at at times in the show very hateable and there's a point where his um his best friend Jack picks him up by the shirt and mm. he's like, "Call me an N word again and I'll kick your ass." And um, someone in the audience shouted, "Beat him up!" And <laughs> we, in those moments, like everyone in the cast is just cackling backstage <laughs> because yeah. we, you know, we never expect anyone to say something ridiculous no. like that. <laughs> I mean, it's it's also kind of funny. Like we all kind of want to beat up Jelly in that moment. It's yeah. Like, yeah we, Yes, but also, <laughs> please shut up. Yeah. <laughs> someone someone shouted that they wanted to have my babies uh, a couple Ooh. nights ago. That was... Did you get that number? No. No. Fair enough. Fair enough. But it did happen. It's something that happened. Wow. I've never heard anyone yell that. Well, man, no. I've, <laughs> well, I don't well, think I've ever heard in, that one. You gotta be in a show with me, okay? <laughs> yeah, see? <laughs> man. I gotta... To figure out this casting process. I gotta, yeah. I gotta do better at the audition. Well, but whatever the case, yeah, the the audience were very aware of them. We so there was one day where we had the most black people we had ever had in an audience, and mm. that was a that was a morning show. It was a ten a.m. show. Yeah. For um for Project Success. Do you oh, know? Yeah, for yeah, yeah. They're um they do like I unfortunately don't know enough about them to, to tell you about them but they um they teach kids theater and uh i think different forms of art and um they brought in like i don't know like 80 kids maybe 100 kids wow. to see the show and a lot of them were black and like when i tell you that was just like a very healing experience for us mm. it really was like we got the reactions that we would have liked to get to every piece like you know sometimes we would go out for dr jazz which is the piece where we walk out in blackface mm -hmm. um Isn't the top of the second act top of the second act yep. very first thing that happens and we actually changed that from the original show george oh. wolf's version um closed the first act with dr jazz okay and um, and our director made a really smart choice and put, um, there's, there's a moment of tension where Jelly is offering Jack a red, a red, uh, 
like doorman's coat oh yes as a racist gesture right and then everyone comes out in dr jazz in that same red coat yeah um, wearing it in a minstrel um in a minstrel face black face and you know kind of presenting how jelly sees all black people in the world mm-hmm. um at least how the character jelly does um and sometimes like we would walk out for that number and people would laugh and that just hurt a lot it just is you know it doesn't feel good it's a it's a hard story to tell and it's you know i didn't even necessarily want to do it i did not want to put blackface on i had understood the use of it in the story and i understood that it's like it's written in it's how george wolf planned it um it's just a lot to do you know it's not something that you really want to ever have to do but you know you walk out there and then you see a sea of white faces most of them with gray hair and like if you're a black person you've probably had an experience with a white person with gray hair saying some really racist things to you i know i've had like plenty Mm -hmm. and and so just walking out in that number and having anyone laugh or even having them cheer while uh while you're dancing is like it's just it's just very uncomfortable and part of it part of doing that number is i guess kind of powering through that but it was really nice to to walk out to an audience of like like teenagers um many 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 of whom were black and have them have like a a true reaction of shock and like disgust for like how jelly sees these uh, his friends yeah you know yeah and so and, you know, you can really feel that off an audience. You know, you can... I I really love uh, interacting with an audience when I'm on stage because I feel like I can, like, just really feel whatever they're feeling. And so there's, like... You know, I think that's... There's something real about the energy that you, you can just feel between yourself and the audience. Mm-hmm. And, and that day, it was, like... It was definitely healing for us to, to know that we're, like... At least that we're telling the story right. You know, it doesn't... Mm-hmm. We can't say how people are going to take it, but at least that we're telling a story that is uh, doing the thing it's supposed to do. You right. know? Yeah. Show how that was... Like, show how terrible that was to have people in whiteface in the first place, but now you're confronted yeah, black, by a whole stage... White oh, lips. Blackface. It was... Yeah. The, the, the method in which it was done, too, was... I remember watching the opening scene of the Bojangles film that Gregory Hines was in, mm-hmm. the the biopic about him and how the opening scene he's getting corked up at the, as I remember. Yeah. And watching that process of somebody putting that on. And in this case, it was like, yeah, it was it was clear that that's what they were that's what we were going for in mm-hmm. this show. And normally in the show, you do put like. You do put a full black face on and then the white lips or red lips. Mm-hmm. We just for this production did white lips. And I think that was like some level of like censorship and care from our director and mm-hmm. from our artistic team. Mm-hmm. It's like kind of care for us. And then like, you know, do we really need to put these people entirely in blackface for right. this number? And is it worth the like the time and money even in makeup to do all that like that's 
it's crazy. There's, I mean, there's a reason they had it at the end of the act in the original one. Like, sure. There's, there's a scene where, yeah, there's, yeah, you can get cleaned up between the next acts. Scene, I remember you guys, you, it looks like a lot of you wiped it right off too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Very quickly. We have to get, <laughs> I bet. we had to get yeah. it all off. And that wow. was just because of the act change. But normally there's enough time for them to like get into the face and mm-hmm. et cetera. But we, we took the time between acts to get into the face and then the time between numbers which was like i mean probably like two to three minutes we we had a little bit of time yeah to get the to get the lips off and then get into our shiny new york sequined outfits yes um but yeah that yeah long story short yeah we do <laughs> there's a lot behind that i mean even as you're putting on this makeup i'm sure like you you kind of hinting toward it a little bit earlier but when you're putting that kind of makeup on getting into that character of the person who is performing in this blackface. Man. Yeah. It's, you know, there's a lot of stuff you got to get past. I've had yeah. an experience where someone, like, someone kind of tricked me into wearing a minstrel costume. What? Um, it's, yeah, it was a not cool experience. And this, this guy, like, was really trying to get me to perform in this thing. And the person who hired me for the performance was like, hey, we're not going to work with this guy again. Let's, uh, like, I don't want you to go back there, blah, 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 blah. It was very protective of me and, like, helpful Mm -hmm. in that situation. But, you know, you don't forget moments like that. And so it's very, it it was a lot of, uh, yeah, it was just a lot to go through just putting on the makeup and deciding, okay, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to. I'm going to perform in this for a bunch of people that like, I don't know how they're going to feel about it. Right. Like I, it's uncomfortable. Yeah. And so, and then <laughs> to have that to feeling then to have people laugh when you come out, right. like it's not, it's not everybody. Like some people understand the imagery immediately. Some people have like a fear response when they laugh, you know, or mm-hmm. they laugh when they're like uncomfortable when, when they're uncomfortable. Sure. Um, and so it's just like, you know, you really need to, learn how to protect yourself from those uh from those thoughts mm-hmm. you know and and not like not deny those thoughts and understand like these are things that happen but you know accept accept everything about the situation yeah you know yeah yeah i mean it's done for a, a specific reason that's why it was put in this show and that's clear to see like we're mm-hmm. not supposed to be comfortable seeing that right and that's i hope people aren't comfortable when they see that yeah, and it there's a weird there's a weird line of like because once you're doing it for entertainment, mm-hmm. then you're doing it for the reason that it was done in the first place, and that feels not right, um, as as someone who's doing it. But like if if you're doing it to tell a story that like that is saying something about it, if you're doing something you know if you're doing commentary about the thing, yes, you know you can reason with yourself a little more then sure yeah it's more to provide a historic element and maybe show people why it's so messed up in the first place right if they didn't already know that yeah i like i i think a lot of people have handled blackface in a bunch of different ways like if you think about the bojangles movie Mm -hmm. that one like they they haven't put it on to show how much how shameful it is and how much he does not want to wear it and it's such a big statement for bojangles to 
be the first black performer in history to to have in his contract that he won't wear blackface. Right. That's He's the like, one that broke it. So, of course, that's important to his story. And then you can also look at the movie Bamboozled where Savion wears blackface. Yes. And it's not... It, I mean, that's that movie's kind of a commentary on, like, why do we still use blackface in in movies to, to talk about it? Or, like, mm-hmm. you know, it's... I don't think bamboozled makes a statement as to whether something is right or wrong um but it it just like it's one of those so george c wolf and uh spike lee i feel like are so similar in the way that they write it's just very like satirical but also like really serious at the same time you know they're making commentary on it yeah oh like over dramatized and like just like a crazy story but also entirely real like bamboozled seems like something that could absolutely happen you know and you know just like in a savion world savion could have like been that character who was playing mantan i forget mm-hmm. who he was called but yeah and that was named after a, a previous performer in the menstrual circuit as well yeah 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 (laughs) (laughs) there's there's just so much deep history to it and like it's it's cool to be able to talk about it in the context of tap dance and it's cool that jelly's last jam incorporates tap dance in that way yeah and it only does because of gregory hines which is very cool i don't know if you know this the the original story was um oba babatunde was the guy who played jelly Wow, and he was instead of instead of tap dancing throughout the show, he would scat to illustrate his his jazz uh, virtuosity. Sure, um, and I think what the story was like they originally wanted um, Gregory was one of the original people wanted for the project, mm-hmm. um, but it was taking a while to get started, and he was being way too important, being Gregory Hines and mm-hmm. being all the movies. Um, he had a TV series and everything. Everything. He was... Oh, my God. So cool. It's going to be Jared Grimes. Absolutely. It is Jared Grimes. Mm. But uh, but then, at some point in the process, it became Oba Babatunde. And uh, um, after like a workshop and I think some performances, they... Uh, they started getting the project moving again with George C. Wolfe and then Gregory Hines like heard about the project again, became interested and was like, I mm-hmm. want to attach myself to that. And I guess they, they're like, we're not going to say no because you're famous and you're Gregory mm-hmm. Hines. And then, you know, he got in there and he's like, I'm bringing the squad. That's like, you know, that's the tap dancer thing. You got to make sure all the tap dancers get in there, more jobs and better places, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, he brought Ted in with him and, He's like working with Ted, making all those cool choreography for the show. But Ted like, Levy, yeah, Ted nice. Levy, yeah, Ted Lewis Levy. Um, and then like, then it became like a tap dance show, and that's part of what made it such a like such an incredible production when it was the thing that it was. Like, mm-hmm. it might not have been quite as electric without this like incredible art form that's like can show off an incredible virtuosity, which is really the thing that makes people enjoy Jelly as a character. 
like because he's kind of an asshole throughout the whole show but yeah. when you see when you see gregory hines tap dancing you're like well shit i can't be mad at that guy he's yeah. awesome that's a good point which is like you know the same way that we look at so many artists now who are doing things that we don't like but they're making incredible art it's a great conversation about like how do you how do you talk about those people can you still love the, these people and like um you know it's just it's a very good story but it's beautiful that it can be told through tap dance and i think tap dance is maybe the thing that makes the story really work just because mm -hmm. it's it just really lends itself to that and another fun fact Jelly Roll Morton hated tap dance. What? Hated tap dance. When did he ever see it? He Oh, he was he's from, from New, New Orleans. Orleans. Of course, it was all that's where it all came from. Everywhere around him was fucking tap dance and he's like I hate this shit. It's well, you know, he Why would he say that? He saw it as a quote unquote coon dance. Oh. Was, you know. Now this comes back to what you were talking about earlier a little bit too about tap connection to minstrality and and minstrel Z. Looking yeah, yeah looking down upon because it's yeah, and, like, this association, like, this is, and, you know, in one sense, it's, like, kind of valid because this is, that is, like, the, one of the art forms that grew up with minstrelsy, but, like, it, the only reason that it's associated with that is because it's just so electric and virtuosic and beautiful that, like, people wanted to see it all the time, and in, mm -hmm. in order to see something that is a black art form at that time, you had to either, like pretend you were a black person because mm -hmm. that's how they wanted to see it at the time or you had to be black and then put on blackface and do the thing that you would have been doing outside of blackface which is being a black person pretending to be a black person to be or being a black be... person pretending to be a white person being a black person yeah i mean wow weird. yeah those layers yeah it's it's just a shameful tradition, but I couldn't imagine putting on like a, a makeup to to show that I'm a white person and still also being white, but like putting like I don't even know what the makeup job would be. I mean, I mean, it would be white. Have you seen Atlanta? Have you watched Atlanta? No, ever? you need to watch Atlanta. Okay, good, good recommendation. I think All it's right. the first episode or the second episode. You see a kid in white face, and it's hilarious see i bet that it's, there could be something to that. Is that with mimes um mimes yeah you know i think mimes are i think some at some point i saw something on the internet and someone's trying to connect mimes to the, mimes and clowns to the minstrel tradition and mm. people were saying that it was not and it's from a totally different thing but i don't know i've not read enough about it and i kind of i question that too because you have blackface traditions kind of all over these European countries as well that are not technically in a lot of people's words connected to the slave trade of mm -hmm. of the like 15 1600s uh yeah but like I've seen like I've seen an Italian minstrel puppet act just in the last few years and oh. that that caused a stir at the Chicago Puppet Festival um, and it wasn't necessarily a minstrel, but it was like, it was very clearly like a white puppet with like a black face on front, like a circular oh. black face. And it had like what looked like a KKK outfit to an American, but it was apparently very much not that to an Italian. 
Oh, was um, it like the ones that they wear in church when they do that? Like yeah, a like thing? a pointy like, hat. Yeah, it's got the big pointy hat. I think that's not quite purple. The, not quite too? the Pope hat, but it's like straight pointy. It looks pretty KKK-ish, but like totally... It looks so kkk But it's in like an Italian Catholic, I believe, thing? Or I'm not sure exactly. I, I, I don't guess know so. enough about it. But, but, I've seen pictures of this, though, before. But this character was in blackface, and it was like... Oh, man. It was like grabbing up on this uh, large-breasted white woman puppet, and it was like... Uh, what do you call this type of puppet act? It's a... Punch and Judy? Yeah. Yeah, Punch and Judy. It was like a sort of clowning kind of puppet act? Yeah, that was exactly it. I don't know that's... a ton about it, but I, I'm familiar with that name at least. Yeah, that's that's crazy. I would not expect you to, because I did not know that. Like We've that. also got a pizza place here called Punch Pizza. Mm. And it does like... Oh, don't get them in trouble. No, I'm not trying to... I don't think Punch and Judy was necessarily a problematic thing in its original form but i don't know enough about it to really be able to say that but it was like an italian like street theater kind of a thing as i remember yeah but but anyway the the point being that like there there seemed to be a lot of uh european blackface traditions oh. that being that being one that seems to exist and it's like i don't know why do you do that yeah what is that yeah it's just it's it's a thing in i forget where else I saw some sort of YouTube thing on it. Anyway, it's it's cool though that the the show can can deal with the the idea of this minstrelsy stuff and can kind of respond to Jelly's hatred of this this really rich black culture and mm-hmm. the stuff that is you know the kind of the thesis of the show is that he's um, he's denying the black roots of his music and his creation mm-hmm. and and also being pretty racist and honestly his racism is what killed him he like um he started working at a club in los angeles Mm -hmm. um which he mentions in the show but what they don't mention in the show especially in ours because we took out a song where he gets stabbed oh but he gets he gets stabbed in like the body in our in the show i think on broadway but in real life he gets stabbed he got stabbed in the face by um by a black man who was attending this club that was predominantly white but like it was he was legally allowed to go in there and he had been for a long time but jelly started working there and would not allow would not perform for people of color for colored people quote unquote what? um and i like i don't know the entire story about this there's a really good book by alan lomax alan lomax like re- recorded hours of conversation with jelly so you can hear him talk and play music as he's getting interviewed wow and then he also did a full book on him with interviews from jelly and then a bunch of other people who knew him and lots of people who did not like him because he was pretty racist Mm. but the thesis of the show is that he is uh you know he's denying the roots of his music which maybe he did maybe he didn't um and him hating tap dance and using tap dance as a method for telling the story is i think really beautiful because that in in a lot of senses to me is one of the one of the closest ties we have to um to our earliest culture like you know having this coming kind of from the ring shout and coming from Mm -hmm. a lot of really old traditions and a lot of rhythmic traditions that you know have found its way into the steps that we use all the time Mm -hmm. um you know, it's 
it's like a microcosm of the wider conversation of music and black music in particular. Yeah. So it's very cool that tap dance gets um, center stage there. And I think it almost didn't um, before I auditioned for this show, at least in our production. What? Like in, because, because they were like, well, we could kind of do it the way they did it with Oba Babatunde because they didn't like, they didn't know a lot of the tap dancers in the scene. Sure. Um, Kelly, the director, had met tap dancers who had come through town, mm-hmm. but like the people here, she was not so familiar with. Yeah. And specifically the black tap dancers here, because there's not not a lot of black. There's tap not dancers a ton here. of them here. Um. And if there are, I, I hope to find more of them. Yeah, you know, and Devon is like currently in Chicago. He's yeah. subbing my classes while I'm here. Yeah. Too. And it's like. But anyway. Um. Devon's been on the podcast too. Oh, he has. Oh, yeah, you have to check that one out. Yeah, I was listening to the one with Sarah today. Ooh, yeah. Hi, Sarah, if you're listening. Shout out to Sarah. I know she's not listening to me. She's like, "Who is this guy?" She might. She might. She might give this one a listen. I don't know. You if know, she is, thanks for listening, Sarah. I, we're we're listening to you, Sarah. Mm. Right now, we're listening to you, listening to us. So yeah. watch out. <laughs> uh. So yeah. Anyway, Sarah got Sarah's been over to Bunkers too. She yes. She was still. She told the story on on the episode, but she was talking about how she like was standing outside and uh, she asked a pimp to borrow his coat, and she took a picture in his coat. Because she just got she'll like walk up to anyone and just say, "Hey, let me try that coat on." And then he was like, "Oh, okay." The balls, the <laughs> balls you gotta have. That's great. Uh, I I could never, but I would try. I, you know, and the, you find all kinds of people at Bunkers. Apparently it was a yeah. biker bar at first. Yeah, it's been all kinds of things. Wow. Yeah. That's, I've been bunking since I got here. Like, I think a couple weeks in, Yeah. my friends who were, um, who I was rehearsing with for the show, mm-hmm. were like going to Bunkers like every Sunday. And, they, and one of my friends, specifically Jordan Leggett, who played Young Jelly in the show, um, had been going to Bunkers long before we started doing the show and was a huge fan of Julius. And when yeah. he found out he was going to be in the show with Julius, he was like, oh my God! Man! And, and so they were going every Sunday and they started inviting me to come. And Julius and I, I said, we met, you know, we were, he was the first person that I met there because mm-hmm. I got there way too early and he got there way too early. Yeah, don't and, get there too early. You know, <laughs> it actually, it ended up being a really good habit for me because I ended up yeah. coming like two hours early for every rehearsal and show and just shedding. Good. Which is what yeah, i saw some of your backstage. for a while. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Backstage. Julius would sometimes post that on his page. You're, you're over there jamming with Tommy and that kind with of thing. With Tommy Barbarella. Yeah. Yeah. And Steve Jennings. Oh, Man. my God. Uh, Tommy Barbarella. Uh. Yeah. What's, what's he like backstage? He's so nice. Oh my god! And you know, I just had a conversation with legendary him. Legendary keyboardist. Legendary, legendary on so many albums. Oh my god! So he, uh, um, he was really nice. We had a conversation at closing, and nice. um, I was like, I was like, Tommy, it's just an honor to be in the show with you. You sound so amazing, and he's just like looking at me like, ugh, yeah. I, Stop it! I don't. I'm not good. You know, like he's doing the artist thing, and like, and like it's crazy that you're acting like that right now. And he's like, you know, I I understand what you're saying, but like the thing is, I am I have such a deep appreciation and understanding of the 
of the fact that I'm playing in this tradition, like mm-hmm. I'm playing in a black musical tradition and I love black music and I feel so deeply about doing it justice. And so it's doing this show is like a big weight and a big honor mm-hmm. because, yes, for sure. because he's playing jelly roll and jelly roll yeah. is like, is he necessarily the inventor of jazz? No. Like you can say a lot of people were at the beginning, but he was absolutely like, he was one of the tops and he was definitely at the beginning of jazz. He's, mm-hmm. he can definitely call himself one of the creators or one of the inventors. Sure. If, if that's what you want to call it, but like, he's, you know, definitely one of the greatest practicers of that tradition, especially like early ragtime into jazz piano. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I, I realized that like he is like in, in a sense playing the role of Jelly Mole, Jelly Roll Morton in the show and that's yeah that's just such a big thing for him yeah and so it's just it's so humbling to hear that from him yeah from, from someone who's so good who did such a great job playing the music but like he he knows that like he he doesn't know how to do what Jelly did which is you know he was incredible in his uh in his realm of piano like you know not not anyone could top Jelly at the time, at least in in his day at yeah. the top of his game. It hadn't been done like that yet. Mm-mm. Not yeah. He was just particularly amazing at playing jazz piano in one of the first um, first big jazz bands, and he was actually maybe the first person to um, to notate a jazz song. Oh, and there's. There's definitely conversation to be had there about like, is it jazz even if it's like if it's notated? How jazz is it if you if you put it on paper? Mm. <laughs> but <laughs> just like funk, I guess you could have that same kind of. It you know there's feel there yeah there's like a part of the tradition that's that's supposed to be under, understood through feel and we the, we kind of touch on that in the show. He's like, young Jelly says. Uh, they ask him if he knows any of these blues songs. He's like, no, I don't know any of these, but I do know the Miserere from Il Trovatore, mm. which is from an opera. Yeah. It's, it's just like a very pretty piano piece, which Jelly did play. You can actually hear him play it on the Alan Lomax recordings. Wow. It's, oh, he's so good. He's yeah. such a good pianist. Man. He's stupid good. Too bad he was so racist. I know. And, you know. <laughs> he had so much going for him. He did, and he definitely that definitely like killed him at the end. the The craziest Man. part is like he got so he got stabbed in the face by that dude. Yeah, and he would have survived apparently, um, but he bled out because it took him longer because they took him to the colored wing of the hospital. No man, and and his like entire identity was based around like I am not black, I'm not colored, I am a Creole. Right, and. That doesn't necessarily mean white, but that was the closest thing to white that he could claim. And he, like, he stood by that, but the rest of the world was like, okay, but I'm taking you to the colored wing of the hospital, and that's what killed him. Man. So, it's just, you know, irony. And it's like, you know, you you also, I think, doing the show, and especially me just playing this part in the last week, I've, yeah. I've learned to love that dude a lot. Like, you know, you you see his you see his struggle and the things that he really like cares about and he cares so much about the music he had tons of black people he played with tons of black people in his band mm-hmm. um 
it's you know he just had this like there there's just this thing that you can you can see this weird uh con- disconnection that racists will have like mm. between like logic and their and their feelings and he was really just taking his feelings out in in at least in terms of the story that we tell mm-hmm. um and also at the time it was really common for creole people to be that racist that was just like the culture of being creole is like part of it was like you really have to hold on to your whatever closeness you have to whiteness how, however adjacent you can be you know he has a line in the show where he's like he says no coon stock in this creole what most people don't know is my ancestors came directly from the shores of france no coon stock and mm. so he's trying to say like look i'm practically white so you yeah. know give me the money give me the jobs which worked but also got him stabbed. Right. And, you know, like, people like Duke Ellington, um, who just happened to be in town when he died and during his funeral didn't attend his funeral as much as they, the jazz musicians around then knew him, they, you know, he wasn't particularly good to them. Mm. So. Wow. For a bunch of reasons, he did not have a lot of friends. It is Ted Levy calling. Pick that one up for sure. Okay. Don't make him wait. That's Ted Lewis Levy right there. Ted, I'm on a podcast with uh, Rick Osland from the Minneapolis. From where? From Minneapolis. Okay, hello. Hello. Hey, I, I'm sorry. I know you did not expect to, to be a guest on a podcast No, here's, right here's what happened, though. The one time I was in Mr. Ted Lewis' class. Absolutely not, but surprise, surprise. You told me, you told me what problem do I have? And then you, you wanted us to all to yell, time, in the middle of class. And now you're calling my friend time right now. <laughs> you know, what's the most important thing? He was just telling <laughs> us we got to stay on the beat better. I remember that. Yes, you have to. Yes. Listen, uh, uh, I'm sorry to interrupt. Should I call back later? Uh, yeah, we can, we can talk later. Yeah, you guys have fun. Man. All right, have a good one. Nice talking to you guys. Nice Bye. talking to you too, sir. Bye. Man, don't wake him, don't make him wait too long. I, you know, man, the one and only. He started so to tap cool you. That he called me. <laughs> he's a, yeah, he's the one that taught. He's taught all of, all those noise funk guys how to tap. I know. He, he brought he brought all of them through the ringer. Oh my god, he's the dude. Yeah, no doubt. I I shout out to him. Ted Lewis Levy. Ted is like a Chicago legend too, and. You were just talking about him earlier in the episode. I was. Well, you know, I I did call him when I started doing this show because I was like, I, you know, I've watched that video of how you jazz a million times, and I've seen oh. Ted doing his wow 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 yeah. in the video and stuff, and I was like, I was just so excited to tell him like I'm doing Jelly's Last Jam. Yeah. I even told him when I was auditioning for it. <laughs> I was nice. like, I really want to do this show, and he's yeah. like, um. I also had the opportunity to choreograph uh, Jelly's tap solo in the show, mm. and I told Ted about it, and he was like, you know, Gregory, uh, he he was like, when Gregory did his solo at the Tonys, he was quoting a Duke Ellington song wow. for the whole thing, and I can't remember which one it was, and when he was when he was telling me, he didn't actually remember, and so I feel like... At this point, like, I just shouldn't say a name of a song because it could be, like, wrong on wrong. I want to go find that video now and try to decipher it. Be like, which song is he quoting? 
it's oh my goodness that's maybe awesome. it was like cottontail or something but oh. um but he was like when when you put this thing together you know give it a little something extra so when i did uh when i um made jelly solo for him i gave him an actual jelly roll solo from the alan lomax recordings i'll mm, i'll play it for you yeah because I am such a fan. I was really proud of myself. <laughs> nice. I hope this can make it without getting it pulled down, but we still try it anyway. Oh, let's, let's yeah. It. Maybe we shouldn't. I mean, I, I haven't had an issue with being pulled down it before, so okay, it'll probably work. Well, here goes. Rolling the dice. And I made it nice and... Sl I found a nice, uh, slow version so it was like nice and easy to listen to so you can't like get it out of your head yeah um because you know i was i wanted to set something on and i was like it's got to be jazz and so i was like damn let's use jelly yes i think it's gonna come in in like 15 seconds who's talking in the background that's jelly that's what he sounded like mm-hmm I saw when Mr. Maurice Hines was playing Jelly. Mm. Okay, here it goes. And then in the... In the show, it goes a lot faster. It's like, and I was like, I just wanted to give him a little, a little nod, you know. Yeah. So I was very proud of that. Way to do it. But like that was, I appreciate Ted so much for that advice because it's, it like kind of reminded me like what what I'm doing tap dancing like and I'm, I'm trying to make music one of the things you do if you're a musician is like you you steal you like you know listen to listen to solos you listen to you listen to other music and you take inspiration like totally. and you really try to approach it from somewhere musical and and it's just it's just a great tool Ted is just full of these great ideas yeah man that's cool that he just was giving you a call too who knows what that's even gonna be Probably, you know, trying to offer me a million dollars. Ho, ho, ho. Apparently he does that sometimes. He'll call a person up and be like, yo, I got a milli for you. I hope so. At least a milli rock. Ooh! Bring it around. Do, do you think he would do that? Do you think? Ted of all people. Maybe. Man. How does that... My, my Millie Rock, does it say is on the block? What was, I forgot the rhyme that came up. <laughs> on every block? Yeah, man. That's how you do it. That's the only way to do it. I had a guy ask for that at a wedding before. I was DJing a wedding and he asked me for that song. I thought he wanted to hear a Millie, a Millie, a Millie. So I started throwing that one on instead. And he's like, what are you playing? Yeah, they didn't even know what to do with themselves for a minute. <laughs> What an adventure. Yeah. Do you have any adventure. shows coming up after this one? N nothing like, nothing of that sort. Like I've got a, a bunch of like shorter projects. Um, yeah. I'm really getting more into authoring my own stuff. Nice. Like 
Um, I have two shows that I want to write. Yeah. Um, one of them, I'm not sure if there's actually going to be text for it, but one of them definitely will. I'm not going to say anything about them because, you know, they're not fully baked. You're still cooking it. They're cooking. Yeah. Um, but I have two two shows that I'm working on, and and then now I'm actually, like, I'm auditioning for a lot more theater because I just want to do more of it. I've, like, yeah. I really loved understudying Jelly this last week as much as it was a crazy challenge, and it was just a lot, but, like... I really just want to like keep working on my voice and like doing doing more theater because it's just it's fun. I love acting. I mm-hmm. you know I do a lot of puppetry back home, um, and just like woofy, dancey, crazy, dreamy stuff is like very much my realm. And so I love nice. I love that. So that's I'm I'm really trying to author a lot of my own work in that realm and get some grants and mm-hmm. stuff. That's awesome, man. So many possibilities. And I, I remember you were telling me that you did puppetry earlier. Mm-hmm. And so are, is there anything coming up this summer that has... Any, like, I, I think you were saying something about doing outdoor puppetry things. I, Isn't there some... Or a festival? There's a bunch of things. So there's a puppetry festival that, as of as of this year, they announced that they're going to do it every year. The Chicago oh. International Puppetry Festival. Nice. Which, very interesting, is also hosted out of the... Uh, Hosted out of the Fine Arts Building at 410 South Michigan, okay. which is where the Chicago Human Rhythm Project is located. So, oh. so like there was a point where I was doing like Rhythm World was happening, yeah. as was a bunch, of, as were a bunch of events for the Puppet Festival, and I was teaching downtown. I felt so cool. I was yeah. just like going to the Fine Arts Building. I would go over to this room and go over to this room and be like, "Hey, everybody, how you doing? <laughs> it's time." But, um, but yeah, so there's uh. Um, there's a few works that um, my friends are doing and that I'm trying to get ready for the puppet festival to enter in and see if I can perform it. Um, and uh, what else? I just did a show last year that was outside. That was a really cool outdoor show called Sea Change. I was like the narrator of that show. Mm-hmm. I was um, I was the lookout and I would like come out of a, a big old tube and I had this like seagull puppet that was over my shoulder. It was based off of a poem that I can't think of. I think it's called the seagull. Nice. Um, no, it's not the seagull. What is it? Uh, it's albatross. The albatross. Oh. Yeah. There's there's an old tale about a soldier with an albatross over his neck, or not a soldier like a. Some dude on a ship or a lookout with an albatross on his neck. Like a sailor or something? Yeah, some sort of sailor or something. Okay. Um, and so I was like some sort of allegory for that character. Um, and I would be talking to the seagull back and forth and nice. doing really silly monologues, which I love doing. It's Yeah. I just really like doing that kind of stuff. The, I do a lot of cartoon voices and um, goofy things. I have tons of different characters. Um. Yeah, it's just that kind of stuff is so fun for me. The puppetry is like it it's a very unique way of telling a story, but also like it's like a, a unique way of approaching storytelling in that like a lot of puppeteers believe that everything is a puppet, like everything, mm. including people. And wow. and when you look at things from that context, um the ways that you can create shows are like the 
through that window, it feels like anything's possible, kind of like, and that's something I love about puppetry and dance is that they're so they're like hyper visual art forms, mm-hmm. and they're really capable of telling things that it it's really hard to say with words, and like, uh, they they work well with like dream sequences, like there's sure. like every puppet show has a dream sequence, but but it's really it's like kind of true. But it's also because puppets really lend themselves well to dream sequences and stuff like that. Like things that are kind of intangible, you know, like you can have a character fly with, you know, no problem, you know, you just pick it up, you know, and people are so ready to take in puppetry. They're, they're instantly receptive to it because I don't know, once, once you see someone's playing with a puppet, you kind of like, you kind of want to play the game with them. Like you're a kid, mm. like you, you instantly go to the place where you're like, okay, I buy whatever you're about to do. Yeah. Like there is, there is a level of like virtuosity that, that people achieve where you can like, you know, there, there are levels of being really good at puppetry, mm-hmm. but, but there's also, there's also the fact that like you can put on a sock puppet and do kind of like a not good job of using the, your mouth at the same time as your real mouth. Yeah. And still put on a great puppet show you know Definitely. so that's just something i really like about it and i i've been thinking a lot about not really marrying the stuff that i do in tap dance and puppetry but like um exploring how to look at each of the art forms through those different lenses i mm. think i think you know i've been dancing a little bit longer than i've been doing puppetry and well you know th- technically that's not true um you know, it's, but like, since being serious into puppetry, it's not been that long. Um, and I feel like my dance background has informed a lot of how I've worked in that sense. And, you know, having a lot of body awareness is really good for that kind of thing. Sure. Um, and so now I'm trying to think vice versa, like how am I, uh, how do my like live works, um, tell stories? Like when I'm, when I'm tap dancing, like, what am I saying? Like, not just what am I saying with my feet. And I'm, you know, immensely concerned with that all the time. <laughs> but, mm. but also, like, you know, how to, what's another way that I can communicate a story? And I love the idea of not using a strict narrative and not using text. I, I love text, but um, I think, I think for my brain, it can kind of get in the way sometimes. Like, oh, sure. Uh, just because it's, I think it's intimidating for me to write text. I don't, I don't feel like I'm saying enough when I use my words. But like, mm. I feel like with a picture, with an action, you can say so much. And so, so puppetry in that sense lends itself really well to the stuff that I feel like I want to create yeah. right now. Yeah. I can't help but wonder, like, would it be possible to make a puppet tap dance and like get the sounds from it? I know. Boy, Man. let me tell you. Like get it to do the shim sham like accurately somehow. I think it's totally possible. Um, in fact, I'm certain it is, but I have a friend who does a marionette act, which oh. is actually, a, it's a minstrel puppet. His name is Just Hambone. And this is like an old Americana like marionette that they used to sell as, you know, an actual like racist toy for kids wow. or like an actual marionette and there's a whole collection of them they were like collectibles um and i can't remember the names of each of them sam tells it so well but you should you should look up sam lewis he's sam lewis. one of the um 
one of the founders of Elastic Arts back in Chicago, which is an incredible music, um, music collective. Um, it's a music space that I've worked at for, I don't know, since like 2015 or something. Nice. And they, you know, it's, it's like a space for jazz music that's kind of inspired by the Velvet Lounge, which was on the south side, um, which is a very important place for the jazz community in the city. Um, but they created their own space that used to be in the church. Mm. Sam Lewis is, uh, man, I'm just going on tangents today. This is great. But Sam Lewis is an incredible puppeteer and incredible, uh, just all around person. And like, uh, uh, what's the word liaison for the arts. That's the best thing I can say right now. (laughs) Arts administrator. Um, but he has, uh, he has collected a bunch of these puppets and told a bunch of cool stories with them. And Just Hambone, which he has renamed one of his puppets, is a, he tap dances and Whoa. and he makes noise with his feet. Is it in time? No, it's not. Mm. Unless he wants to like, unless he's doing like a big swooping motion, he can like land on a beat. But like sure. when when Just is going fast, it's just like. Okay. But it's hilariously articulate and just you know, and I don't think it needs to be musically. Um, accurate to be good for the puppet piece. It, right. So what we've done as an act together is like um, we'll do a tap battle and I'll do like actual oh. real tap dance yeah. and then we'll trade back and forth which is It's like Sam and Bill Cosby. <laughs> it is exactly like Sam and Bill Cosby. That's, Sam has got all the moves. That's how he brought it up to me too. <laughs> oh man, really? Okay. Yeah. Wow. Because you know that's a scene. Yeah, it's a very popular scene outside the of the tap community too. Scene. Yeah. That was the very first time I saw the challenge. Mm-hmm. But when I saw the movie Tap, that was a whole nother level of yeah. the challenge moment. That was a real challenge. Man. But but yeah, so um, we have an act together called Just In Time. Like oh. Just In Time. You know. Yeah. It's goofy. I'm digging it. Um, and we've also created some other puppet pieces together. I I made like a working TV head for this weird uh, this weird Halloween show that we did. Nice. Um, you like Jombie? Max Headroom? No. <laughs> Wait, Jombie. Remember from Pee Wee's Playhouse? Yes, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yes, it's, it is like Jombie. But it's just like a head like floating. It was exactly what it was. I can show you a video later. But nice. It was Sam's head, but on a computer screen that was on my face. Wow. And <laughs> I was like plugged into a super long uh, uh, VGA cable wow. going, to, going to this MacBook in the back. It had his face going, and then we were running... Our lights at the same time, and it was all synced to six or five other shows that were happening at the same time. Wow! Yeah, you've got a tech side about you too. I do. Yeah. I mean, well, you know, one thing I have not done at all is plug uh, the fact that I make boards. I make tap boards. Yeah. And I sell them on the internet. You can mm. buy them. I ship them. Well, that that brings up a good point because I was going to ask you, like, where do people find more out about you? Like, do you have a website? Do you, what's what's the best way to find more out about? I you? do. You can. You can go to timebricky.com or oh, nice. Or you can type in h e y t i dot m e hey time. Nice. Um, that'll take you to my website. There's a little section on there that's time on the wood. That's my tap board business. If you want to order stuff from me, yeah. Um, you know, I'm not the greatest at keeping my uh, my online presence up to date, but I'm working on it. I'm working on it. Hey, you're doing your thing. Yeah, you know, I'm doing the thing. But, um, but yeah, I've been like. I've been making boards for a while. I've learned from, I learned actually from Tristan and Marty and 
and have you know started doing my own thing with them. I'm working on some really cool new designs that I'm excited about and trying to learn more about like you know what like what makes good tap audio, what makes it, you know, mm-hmm. what is, what is it that you want to hear? I was yeah. just watching a video of Savion that I had not seen. It was recently posted that he did like a 19 minute solo. You should watch it. It's ridiculous. Yeah. But like his sounds are always so clear and he works a lot on his tone just in his dancing, but it's clear that he's like worked a lot with um sound engineers and and whoever makes his floor to get like a real particular sound and We've so got Barkus Berry pickups in there like he would use on a cello and then he puts those really? under the floor. I, so I heard that he was using that Shure floor mic, and, and I think that might be what he had in this performance, and they mm. were on top of the floor, mm. which is interesting to me. Like, so, because what I've been thinking about a lot is, like, so I've been making electric boards, and I've sold a few of them, but I don't sell them online right now. Yeah. Um, I might start soon, but I'm like... With, like, piezos in them to, like... Yeah. Yep, and sensors. as you know, those things are a bitch to solder, and... Have you soldered them? Before? Well, they're very um, the cable the the wires on them are very thin. Yeah. Oh well, you you've bought them with wires. I've bought yeah. I've bought them without wires. It just as discs, basically. Just as the discs. Okay. And I regret that kind of because yeah. yeah, get the wires on there. There's a black and a, a red one. But the, but I also <laughs> like that I can pick my own wire gauge for that because then I can use. Now a nice that's thick a good wire. point. You yeah you can definitely. Upgrade and, and have a thicker gauge wire. And in terms of like me selling this as a product, I'm like, you know, I'm trying to think a lot about like what is going to last, you know, like, so I, I'll take a piezo disc and I'll solder the wires to it and then I'll put epoxy on top of it. So yeah. it's nice and hard because yeah. those discs are made of ceramic and brass Yeah. and the ceramic cracks like immediately if you totally. just give it a little bit of play. Yeah. And they're fairly cheap, but it's. Totally, it'll be ruined. Yeah, I just bought like I don't know, like two hundred of them for very cheap. But like, yeah, yeah the the thing is like they they get ruined very fast. It takes a lot of work to put them together. Um, they but also they, have rectangular ones too. Yes, there's I've all seen different those. shapes of them. Sometimes but, in like really expensive guitar pickups and things, they'll put like rectangular ones. And I, I look at some of those diagrams. Yeah, that. So what's what I've found too. so far, and really, like, I need to call some people, and you know, we need to have some conversations yeah. about this stuff. But like, there's something about wrapping them. If if you can get them encased in like aluminum, it also helps prevent interference from outside electronic things that are floating in the air. Oh, really? Because sometimes you'll you'll have the if you just plug a piezo directly in and have that on the floor. Sometimes I've noticed like it'll give like an extra little buzz mm-hmm. for no real reason. It's not like bad cables or anything. But if you can encase it somehow, sometimes that'll protect outside things from interfering. That's deep. Yeah, there's something to that. Yeah. And I still I, need to explore it deeper, but I'm not like an electrical engineer. That yeah, I that's... come across a lot of these little insights. That's the thing. I'm like, I'm trying to meet a bunch of people because I'm really like, I'm playing the long game with this product design. Yeah. I, like, I really, I feel like there's a... It's a, a really good point of access for tap dancers to have totally. a product that is easily accessible yeah. that allows you to have good sound without knowing anything about how to make your sound really good. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like you can buy a good electric guitar, you can buy a good amp, and you don't have to know shit about guitars and amps, right? Like, the you, sure mic, I was just looking for it because I, I, have, I have that model number written down. That it's 
it's really good and i've used that one before not for tap dance but like when i was when i was in college doing that stuff you, yeah. you know you could put it inside of a kick drum totally and um, i read that inside this instruction manual you can pop off the top and put a different mic capsule in there hmm. so you can have it either picking up fully like all the way around unidirectional or was yeah. it omni omnidirectional where it's all the way around mm -hmm. or you can have it be cardioid so it's more of a like a heart shape with a big bubble at the bottom mm -hmm. so like it, it, i think you could put a <laughs> bubble butt on it you could put like i think three different types of capsules inside of the mic depending on the type of use you want to like how wide you want it to pick up that's interesting yeah that's i just learned about that and i haven't really gotten to hear it yet but that's I mean, something about that one yeah, you gotta wonder what Savion's people are doing or what Savion's doing. I don't know if he thinks about that. What's well, the Dakota? As much. I saw him, and I'm pretty sure he had the the things mounted under his floor because there was nothing on top. But I, I asked him if he's still using Barkus berries, and he said, "Yeah." So like, mm. I read an article long ago where he's talking about Barkus berry pickups or what he was using on his floor, at least back in the day. Mm -hmm. And they're they're fairly expensive pickups. I mean, if if you're they're like seventy bucks a piece or something like that, mm. as I remember. So if you're going to do a bunch of those across your floor, that's going to get really expensive. Whereas, sure. like, for significantly less, you can put piezos that you create and, mm -hmm. and distribute those evenly across the floor so that it's picking up... Because it picks up vibration rather than the sound. Yeah. The thing that's... That, like... And, and the comment that I've gotten from, like, some sound people is that, like... Yeah. Well, one... So I put mine on the bottom of the floor and... Yeah you don't capture the high tones of the taps like those are there but like you're you're really only getting to like a kind of a weird bass mid to lower like yes because yeah. the clicky high kind of hits your ear in such a way that it hurts a little bit too if you have it too high yeah but you, you know you still want some sort of presence of the full sound of the For thing sure. and, and it's yeah, just absolutely. gonna sound weird if you don't get the full the full image of it definitely and, yeah and so there's um, I was just talking to someone about like, so you could put piezos on the top of mm -hmm. your board yeah. and that would solve some of the problem. They don't really but feed then, back either. Yeah, they don't at all. You which can is really weird. crank them a lot you, before they start to feed back at yeah, all. Yeah, they get loud as heck. Yeah, and but you, you can, like, can barely brush your shoe. But you can put, uh, you could put them on the top to get those, uh, those higher frequencies, but mm -hmm. then... Then you run the risk of like, am I going to tap on these things? Right. Like, encase it in something, maybe. Yeah, and you know that's where I've I've had the thought like, do I do I just recess it in the board and then put epoxy over it oh, so that you can? Would work. Which, yeah, I mean it's not it's not the worst idea, but then you know it's still covered again. Um, yeah. And then there's also the thought like maybe what you want is like, so what I'm working on right now is like getting something with like more of a resonating chamber and understanding like what kind of chamber do you want to, for for tap like mm -hmm. what what do you want below yourself or do you want do you want a really deep chamber so you can have a nice big booming sound or do you want something a lot more shallow and you know some of that has to do with like portability some of that has to do with like sound choices and just personal taste and like is there something that you can tune can you tune a tap board you know, sure. so I just like I keep wanting to think about this stuff and like, can we, can we as musical artists really craft our sound? Because I think that that is an area where we're not as in control mm -hmm. as we should be, and if if we're trying to like convince the rest of the musical world who, who for the most part does believe that we're musicians, but like, 
like a lot of people don't understand tap dance the way that we would like to you know we're not getting not necessarily getting to the exact place we want to be just yet Mm -hmm. and and i'm wondering if like part of the access to that is like you know getting a consistent sound and understanding that it's about the sound and when people go to perform tap dance you know if someone's like doing a good job if it sounds good yeah you know yeah and it's not like it's not a good or bad thing it's not like we're judging you to say you're you're bad but like you know you're not the most amazing drummer if you're not keeping time you know and totally so the audience will hear that though they'll hear if it sounds bad like if something sounds off or it's hurting their ears whereas if we can make it a pleasurable experience when they listen to it yeah and so like if you really focus on the sound and you know there's also the idea of like making sure you're mic'd so that you're like so that your audio is high enough your gain is high enough that you don't have to push when you're tap dancing i've been Mm -hmm. thinking about that in terms of like singing because like i've you know just understudying for this role like i had to sing so much more and so much like higher than i've normally had to and i had to talk to the sound (laughs) i know i got threw into that thing for real dude (laughs) but but like i talked to the the sound guy and i was like can you can you bring my microphone um, up so that I don't have to fight it as much so I can just like breathe through these notes a little bit easier. Sure. And and I'm thinking like this is really the same thing we want for tap sometimes. Like, yeah. you know, I watch Savion. He's, his feet are moving very small. You know, he doesn't need to do a lot to make a lot of sound. He right. obviously is has monster feet and can make all kinds of crazy sounds. As loud as he wants. But like... He's also in complete control of his sound, mm-hmm. which is inspiring and very cool. Um, so yeah, so in in thinking about product design, I'm I'm really thinking about like what do I want when I'm going to a show? I want to be heard, number yeah, one, which is like I've solved that problem with the PAs. I was like, plug in, and you can hear me now. But now I want to sound good, and I want to like. So you turn them up pretty hot without getting feedback too, which has been the issue. Right. Like if you just do floor mics, for instance, across the front of the stage, like a lot of people might put three to five floor mics across the front mm-hmm. and then they'll tape those down. Like hopefully they put some felt under them when they tape them down so that they don't slap against the ground as you're tapping near them. Mm-hmm. But whatever, that's a different story. But then the problem is if you have a live band behind right. you, Everyone then whatever behind they're is- playing is also going to go through those mics and just bleed right into it. And Whereas they've got amps that are like right behind you. They're aimed right at the mics too. So at, if they want to make you louder as a tap dancer, they can turn that up. But then it hits a point where they're also picking up the guitar and the everything else that's flowing at that mic mm-hmm. at the time. Whereas when you use the piezos, like you're talking about, those are picking up the vibrations of the floor. So it's not picking up all the... Like if, if you scream into it, you have to scream pretty loud. You can still hear it come through a piezo. Mm-hmm. But it's not... It's not like a microphone in that way where it's yeah. going to be so sensitive that it's going to then go through the speaker and come back at you. But if you do, if you put the piezo on your throat as you're That's talking, then it gets nice and loud. Yeah, Baryshnikov did a those... thing where he put it on his heart. No shit. During a show with the White Oak Dance Project. I saw it downtown here. And he put it on his heart and then he ran around the stage like in a big circle and you'd hear his heart speed up and it, uh. it got to beating. And then he did a whole, he improvised a whole solo to the beat of his own heart. You're that was the music. Fucking me. You know what I'm what? saying? Yeah, Brezhnikov, yo. 
Uh, I love artists. Yeah. White Knights. Go watch White Knights. You get to see Baryshnikov and to see White Gregory Knights. Hines. All right? Uh, any movie that Gregory Hines is in is gold. Every one of them. Go see gold. him. Gold. So, but he recreated like, that Bojangles stair dance like perfectly. And they oh, show really it at the very end of the movie where it's like two screens and you see both of them right up against each other. He just nailed it. Uh and you know that's so important for your for your own dance training is to to pull footage and steal and learn yeah. as much, but don't don't steal and then say it's yours like Jelly Roll Morton. Give might credit. Do. Give credit. We where didn't it's invent due. any of this at this point. Mm-hmm. I definitely didn't. I, I can speak for myself. I, I definitely didn't invent any of this. Yeah, nothing is new. Everything. But I stole where I could, and I then I channel my own like through whatever it is too, because my dad's a drummer. Like whatever, like mm-hmm. it's been around. People have been hitting drums around me the whole time. Mm-hmm. That's important. But it also came from a whole like a lot of that came from New Orleans. My dad was in a '50s and '60s cover band when I was growing up, so like mm-hmm. all that rock music and stuff came from the source of the, like where the Mississippi River ends, basically. Mm-hmm. The Mississippi starts up here, but it flows all the way down. There's uh, quite a path. American history is like crazy and bad and like so cool. So, <laughs> so crazy how like... <laughs> Straight up. <laughs> uh, it's it's just crazy what people have done. Yeah. And, and how it happened and how this place is like how we even like hang out now, you know? Yeah deep <laughs> wow yeah. see we got to that point of the conversation and we're not even you we know get stoned <laughs> that's important yeah see like no no it's been a it's been a little while for me was it like 11 a.m or something <laughs> <laughs> whatever full disclosure it's been Hours. Yeah, it's been a few hours. I mean, I can be honest. Too. I don't feel it anymore. <laughs> a few hours for me. I feel this coffee more than anything. Ugh. Oh, there's plenty of that. It'll beep one day. Be like, yo, oh hey, they're now it's making noises. Yeah, it, it hurt you. That this has been a machine. good standing podcast. I know. I love. I this. Dig this. I love this vibe. I feel like. I feel like I didn't want to sit. Like Ooh. in my heart, like. I was ready to sit for the podcast, but I don't think I actually wanted that. Like, at any point, feel free to say it. Like, I, I got some chairs over here I could throw your way, no problem. No, it's like, you know, I, I'm i kind of like an anxious Andy, as it were. <laughs> well, not, not Andy like Oslin, over here. though. <laughs> <laughs> that was just the first A name that came to my mind. <laughs> okay, well, I've been an anxious Andy. Man. And, you know, I just, I like standing, like... You know, I gotta move. Gotta move a little. Are bit. you a guy that's more comfortable on stage than like in a small group of people? Um, I think I've grown more comfortable with the small groups of people, oh, but like okay. I think that was not my natural state. Like, like I got no life. problem being on stage in front of like hundreds or even like a couple thousand people. No problem. Yeah, I'm, I, I'm happy to be there. Sometimes it feels like narcissism to me, but I'm like, I <laughs> yeah. feel like, but yeah, when I'm in front in front of like a ton of people, I'm just like. Yeah stupid comfortable like oh yeah i like am comfortable talking to anybody in the audience if i'm like in in real life i'm just like a total shut-in yeah, one-on-ones <laughs> are sometimes more difficult for me yeah some people get really worked up about public speaking i'm like give me a mic let's do it yeah like i will just like i won't even say anything real it won't be of any value <laughs> but i'm gonna be talking i'm gonna try to get something out of them <laughs> 
Man. Wow. Okay, so what was... Have they had a closing night party for, for the show? Yes, we had uh, we had a small uh, party after the after the show in the lobby. Nice. You know, the opening night party, they didn't play any music. But what? the closing night party, I was like, hey, turn... Crank it up. Gone. They, I guess they were playing it, and then um, the guy who was playing the lead who, you know, I was understudying because... Um, our incredible lead Reese Britz got COVID, yeah. which is the worst because like he didn't have symptoms, and that's just an insult. <laughs> yeah. Like at least get me sick if you're gonna keep me out of this show, man. But, because this is like for everyone in this cast, this too. is like, Woo. oh my god, he can sing. <laughs> I don't oh. doubt your abilities or anything. I'm just saying, like when no, I like, when I experienced look, the show, that he could sing, man. That look, I, great. You know, I've I've trained as a singer, but like, sure, you know. My strength is is in the dance, and this man's strength is totally like singing. Oh my god, he's just like mm. he can float any note he wants to. Man, it just comes out like butter. That cast, man, like the the singing, I was so impressed by too. It was like right, and I didn't realize Brittany Marie could sing like that. Mm. Woo! Shout yeah, out shout out to, to Brittany, Brittany, man, for real. Yeah, she's great. Like the first. Uh, the company that I have that produces theater works, it's called Sparkle Theatricals. She was in the first show that we ever produced. It was at the Ritz Theater at the Minnesota Fringe Festival in 2015. Mm-hmm. Man, she's such a super talent. Oh, my God. And, like, an incredible dance captain for the show. Mm. Like, I the idea of dance captaining a show for me has always been, like, a scary thing. And, like, it's been offered before. And it's just, like... I understand what the job is, which is what really it what makes it intimidating. Is like you kind of have to know everybody's track. Sure. You you need to know what everyone's doing at any given time. You need to always be paying attention to everyone else in the dances as well as like know the dances really well. Yeah. But like you need to have a whole picture of the whole thing, and it's not that like it's not that I haven't worked on a bunch of dances before, and it's not like I haven't cleaned a bunch of dances before. Mm-hmm. But Brittany, like. She knocked it out of the park. Mm. Every time one of us would be wrong on something, she'd be like, "Hey, you missed this part." And she would she would defer to me sometimes for for like tap notes. Okay. But like um, you know, just cuz that's the that's my personal specialty, yeah. but like in terms of like oh my god, even like even stuff that you wouldn't consider dance, but like, you know, since the show moves so fast, it kind of everything's dance. Yeah. Um um she just was really on top of it, especially like I I saw it so much during the show. Like she would even be like, if we had an entrance next to each other, she'd mm. always be watching me <laughs> to make sure I was gonna make it. She's gonna push you out there. <laughs> <laughs> yes, she definitely pushed me out there a bunch of times. She's on it though. But yeah, Oof. but when I started understudying this week, like there was stuff that like she wasn't even in, and she's like, I noticed that one part went really well for you. And I'm like, you're not even on stage, Brittany. What? <sighs> how did you know that went well? <laughs> she's, she doesn't miss anything. She's so good. Yeah. And you know, I would give people shit for not like trying to hang out after the show because like always trying to hang out after rehearsal and shows. Yeah. You know, I'm on vacation here. Right. But you know, her and her and Reese, who played Jelly specifically, the two of them were were just like. Always, always in their home, always getting stuff done. And they were like, it just showed in their work, you know, Mm. it's, I love that when you can see someone's work ethic, like the whole time through, it's, it's just, uh, inspiring and impressive. Yeah. 
Because, you know, it, it does pay off, and sometimes it feels like it doesn't pay off. You're just like, ah, I'm going to relax. But then you see them do the work, and you're like, okay, yeah, maybe I shouldn't Ooh. relax. <laughs> yeah. Man. Yeah. So much talent surrounding you at this show. Uh, so inspiring. I'm so sad it's over. Yeah. Just to get to see everyone every day doing their best at what they're good at. Jeff LaCrone on guitar, too. Tasty LaCrone! What? What you know about that? <laughs> we love Tasty. Yeah. That dude can rip. Oh, my God. He's been a ripper since he was like... I met him when he was in college still. and mm -hmm. He came and played a show that Andy and I produced back in 2013. He was in the band in that one. Shredding. And now you know he's a regular in Mambo's combo. Man! So he's, next Sunday. Yeah, I mean... I think he's like the guitarist there now, like you know the regular guy. Well, rest in peace, Billy Franzi, the Reverend. Ugh. He was he was legit. He was he was amazing. That guy. I've heard many a story from. The yeah, Julius. man, like so many good stories. He's he Julius has so many amazing stories. I'm sure, mm. man. Because like, I don't remember what year it was when we started going over there regularly, but mm -hmm. Mark Lichtai was still in the band, and G Sharp was still in the band. And Margaret Cox was in the band the whole time. Michael Bland mm -hmm. was always on drums. Mm -hmm. He was on the Diamonds and Pearls album and like the Love Symbol album <sighs> of Prince's. Like some of the some of the, my favorites, the Gold Experience, like all that stuff. Like he and Tommy Barbarella were all they were on all that stuff. Man, I so I didn't study percussion for super long, but I did for like a year and a half in college. Yeah, um, it was like my, my last year and a half because I did. After I did Iftra with Nicholas Young, I was yeah. like, I got to study percussion because I knew nice. I loved it, but like, and I had a ton of friends who were studying it because I was in the music school, but I was like, yeah. I got to do it now. Um, he did stuff with electric tap stuff too. He's, he's the dude yeah, right you now. Know, you know that. He and Shoehorn too. Yeah. And he doesn't like, wait, Shoehorn? Who's Shoehorn? Shoehorn out in Portland. I don't know. He's a, he plays sax and taps at the same time. Really? Yeah. He's been doing this for a while. He actually, he was at the tapping in the Twin Cities back with Brill back in the day. Okay, but he'll play tap. Or he'll he has like MIDI sensors in the in his floor, mm -hmm. so he'll be tapping and it's connected to a drum brain. So mm -hmm. he'll set the beat with his feet, and then play sax over it. Like he rips. Man, I need I need to see that. Man, Nicholas Young though, that guy's ripped forever too. He was in St. Louis back in the day too. Ah, oh, he's incredible. I love that dude. So nice too. Yeah, just very willing to share and like, you know. The thing about like him and Michelle Dorrance, yeah, I feel like he's been traveling with them for a long time. There, I feel like the two of them are just so, like, so incredibly uh, well studied in the art form, and like, yeah, they understand the their vernacular like crazy, mm -hmm. and then and then understand how to play with it, and and then the thing when I when I did Iftra, like I really experienced the. Um, Michelle came in for a little bit and set some choreography on us, but I just like experienced the way the two of them create. Mm -hmm. It's so quick. It's like they make their decisions really fast, but really, really thoughtfully too. They're like, I want to see this shape go across and this is how the cross is going to go. Sit and don't get out. Don't do don't And then they're like, you know, that's, that's the step now. And they know that they want a cross to go, to go like that, you know? And it's, it happens so fast and, you know, they change stuff super fast, which is, um, reminds me a lot of my experience in, in like devised theater. Sure. You know, a, a lot of the puppetry stuff that I do is devised. Mm -hmm. Um, and just like, you know, you improvise things, you throw things out there and then it's set, but like, there's with, not necessarily a script. 
Yeah, and it's not to say that to start with. It's not to say that most dancers, a lot of dancers, don't choreograph in the room. But there's, like, I I mean, when I think about them, I think about like they're always thinking about this wider concept of the piece, mm. and I just love that. It's very inspiring to see. Yeah, man. Uh, I love those guys. Yeah. Wow. Like I, I remember, like. Michelle Dorrance and, and Jared Grimes were together in the North Carolina Youth Tap Ensemble. Yeah. Met them back in... They were in St. Louis, too, in, like, 99. Ugh. With Nicholas Young, who was... He's more from the Austin... Right. He was Asia like, Gray kind of mm-hmm. family over there. Asia. Man. And, yeah, Megan Davis also studied under Asia Gray. Do you know Megan Davis? I know of her. I don't, I don't know her personally, though. Yeah. Also from Mad Rhythms. Man. Um, yeah. Wow. I love the tap scene. Yeah. I saw a Kalina show last night. Good. Man, I wanted to get there. I was, I went to the, the to go see Carmen at the Ordway last night. Oh, cool. Oh, man. How, how was the, how was Kalina's show? It was really great. She's, she's just a really smart choreographer and. That's partly the... why Lady Di was in town to see your show because mm-hmm. she was here showing them the Leon yeah. Collins choreography. And they, they did a great job with the Leon choreography. Um, it seemed like there was a lot of new choreography from the students, which was really like incredible. Like mm-hmm. it, it just, I would have really suspected that an adult choreographed it. And wow. it also, you know, it seemed like they had gotten a lot of. There's sorry, coffee the coffee maker. maker's going off. It's just letting us know that the heating plate is now finished, keeping the coffee warm. Lovely. I'm just gonna take a little bit more. It's coffee. not gonna get cold too quickly though. Do you want some more coffee? Yeah, let's do this. Yeah, we're we're here. Let's drink some coffee. I'm in it to win it. I thought I was going to use Earlier this Earlier you half, said this but... title, or you said this this phrase. Yes, and sure. And I thought it would be a perfect title for a show that's about your life. Okay, yeah, I'm And ready. you said it earlier. <laughs> it's about time. Yep. <laughs> I've, I've gotten that specific one quite a bit actually because it is about you and then it's also uh, you already get it i don't need need a mansplain the time title to you right now but you know that's i I heard it earlier and it stuck with me and it was ringing out in my head and i didn't want to like just interrupt something with that but i was like that's a freaking good title that you're you're very you're one of the only people that could take that one and make it into a show you know i I love my name for that reason. No pressure. There's, there's a couple good little gimmicks. But Brittany and uh, oh. my friend Gabby Dominique, who's also in the show. Yes, I met was, her too. Yeah, she was too tight, Nora. Oh, man. Uh, uh, what was I going to say? Come on. Go for it. What's Come on. the name that is oh, they've been, on your name? Oh, they've been coming up with a bunch of different, uh, <laughs> different oh, titles for my, for my memoirs. Oh, and what I can't it? I can't remember them right now. I feel bad. But Brittany's got brilliant ideas. Don't forget those ones. Oh, I know, I know. But yeah, um, I got to play Three Finger Jake in the show, which was also a, also just an honor to be Three Finger Jake. So featured dancer Three Finger Jake, and you get to play like the lead of the whole show. Yeah, I understudied Jelly and Young Jelly, and I think that was yeah. that was by virtue of me coming in as like the tap dancer guy because. Right. Those were Gregory and Savion's roles. They were. And they were like, okay. They were Maurice and, and Savion, too, when I saw it. But mm-hmm. Oh, Savion was in that one, he too. He was on the tour. My my school, mm-hmm. it was like 11th grade. We went to, I think it must have been 94 or 95. 
And we went to the downtown at the State Theater. Mm-hmm. Pretty sure it was the State Theater. or Maybe it might have been the Ordway, but either way, like that show was awesome. And it was like tap dancing. And we got to go on a school field trip to watch a show that had tap dancing. And it was like... Oh, yeah. You're and like, that's, yeah, that's, that's where me, I, man. That was Savion just right before Noise Funk because George C. Wolf also like went and did that with him then mm-hmm. right after. Ugh. Unreal. So I, I got to see him like right before that hit, but the girls were going crazy for him in the audience because he had been on Sesame Street and everything else. Oh, yeah. So they were just like, it was like there was a pop star on stage. They were freaking out for Savion. It was great. Man. And we, they did the after the post show kind of meet and greet thing where they all answer questions and things from the audience. Mm-hmm. Man, they were just screaming for him that, that one. Ugh. Man, to be on Sesame Street. Right. To be Savion Glover on Sesame Street. Yeah. Him doing the. Did you watch him on there when you were a kid? No, not when I was a kid. I that was definitely after my time. I think that was like I probably would have been one year old when he was oh. like when he was doing that because I was born in ninety four. Oh man! But uh, I have watched a bunch of them on YouTube. Yeah, I, I just love it. I just watched a recent so thing fun. on YouTube that someone had just posted about. Uh, what was it? It was like Savion was rapping. Yeah, his rap and tap one. Yeah, what the he's, heck? He was like a little kid still, kind of. He was maybe have been 13 or something. Yeah, he's like, I'll rap, tap, clap for you at the same time. Yeah. Yeah, you know what that is. Yeah, I love that video. That was the first Sesame Street video I saw him in. I just recently watched him in the one where they've got him. So he's like a waiter at the club and <laughs> um, at this nightclub and he's... First, he's like a like a bus boy or something. Yeah, and they're like, the waiter just quit his job. You got to take over for the waiter. He's like, what? I'm a bus boy. This is my first day on the job. And they're like, you got to do it. And he's like, okay. And then he goes and he he like starts taking people's orders. And they're like, oh no, Savion, the drummer just like got sick and he can't drum anymore. We need you to be the drummer and the waiter. And so then he starts playing on the drum set. And they're like, Savion. We had a singer tonight, but like the singer's not here, so you gotta sing. And he's like, "Oh my god, I can't do, do all these things." And he goes out and goes out and sings, and he's like, Man. "Savion, we were supposed to have someone tap dance tonight, and you, there's no one to do it." And he's like, "Well, okay, I guess I gotta tap dance." And then he who goes, would cancel that gig? I know, <laughs> but he, you know, uh, he he did all that stuff in in the one thing. It was very cute. It was wow. a really cute piece. I gotta see that. Yeah, it's on YouTube. It's yeah, it's I'm up there. Look it up. I was I was just searching Savion Glover Sesame Street because I was I knew that he was on there a bunch, but I'd only seen like a few different ones. Yeah. And I was and like, you know, selfishly I've been thinking like I'm I'm getting deep in this puppetry stuff and I'm deep in the tap dance stuff. I'm like, mm-hmm. it's time for me to go on Sesame Street, everybody. Yeah. This is I'm putting it out there right now. It's time for me to be on Sesame yeah. Street. Yeah. But Whatever the case, like, um, Gregory and Maurice were on Sesame Street as well. They, you know, the... Heinz, Heinz, and Dad? No, just the two of them. Um, and that what was it? The ago. rhyming game? It wasn't the rhyming oh. game, was it? No, they were opposites. That's what it was. So, you know, they went in there on as opposites, and they're wearing the tightest freaking jumpsuits they possibly I can. Like I've seen this. Yeah, keep and going. And one of them will be like near and then walk way too close to the other yeah. one or like flap way too close to the other one. And then 
um, oh yeah, I think Maurice did that, and Gregory like looked at him, little man, and was like far, and then walked yeah. away, walked super far, flapped away. You know, the, which was a thing that the pup or the Muppets did that on the show at one point too, the near and far. Yeah, it's just very, very cute stuff. Yeah, I love Sesame Street, and it's so shameful that they took it off of PBS, and you yeah. gotta have it on HBO now. Oh, it's on HBO. I didn't even realize that, mm-hmm. but. I I watched that and then like Mr. Rogers would come on right after. Mm-hmm. Man, good wholesome yeah kids. Uh, be creative and then like be nice to people. And now it's like Coco Melon. You know Coco Melon? No. It is like I don't know. Peppa like, Pig. It's like a that. fever dream. Man, it's that's it, what Scooby Doo is for. It seems like it's made to like prepare kids for like. Uh, you know, for being always into their phone and watching TikTok. Like, you know, it's just like one thing after another. The camera angles are really weird on it. It's like really watching, like, there's an episode of Pokemon that's like banned because it gave people seizures. Oh, wow. I've heard of this. It's intense, like, (laughs) on that level. Yeah. (laughs) Not. I don't know that it would give you a seizure, but definitely makes me feel like, whoa. Yeah. Watching it. Yeah, like, I'll stare right at a strobe light, no problem. I mean, you know, you, if you want to do that, that's fine. I'm not stopping you. I'm glad I don't, I don't, I'm not affected by that. I did, I, I've DJed for weddings before and I saw a kid at one wedding that I was doing and he was doing this lean back move. I thought he was kind of doing that, like that kind of thing that is like a move, but like, nah, he was, he was going back and then he was like seizure, having a seizure Whoa! with the lights and stuff that were happening. He just looked sick as fuck when he was doing and I, it. I, I stopped it and they were like, cut it off. So I cut the music oh, and like, man. everything got real as calm as we could make it. And then they brought in the ambulance and stuff and they helped treat him. And mm-hmm. the kid was, in the end he was okay, but like it was scary. I had never seen true. someone go into a seizure in this way. Yeah. Yeah. It was a trip. Seriously. Yeah. <laughs> well let's watch some cartoons <laughs> man Transformers didn't do that to me thankfully wow what a great tangent we found here yeah I, this is I good remember where we started this is, this is, well, well, we've gone we've gone through a lot of different wonderful things like yeah I'm totally a tangent dude yeah that's that's where I'm at yeah Man, thank you so much for being here. Of I really course, appreciate thank that. Thank you for having me. Yeah. I'm so happy to be here. Man, so how long are you gonna be in Minneapolis for a little while longer? Yeah, two more weeks. I'm here. Nice. Um Keen Sense of Rhythm is hosting, as you know, yeah. as you are also part of, yeah. a tap dance day event. Um, which is gonna include a tap only competition. That's which right. is so lovely. Yeah. Um so I'll be judging there and I'm gonna perform and then I'll be coming back right after that, right before June, and then I'll oh, be you're back home. Back? I didn't, oh, yeah, um, you're going back to Chicago then? Yeah, I will come back um, to Minneapolis though. Like I look, I've been telling people they've been like, "Are you moving to Minneapolis?" I'm like, "No, I'm not moving here." But if yeah. you call me here for work, uh, listen, yeah. listen to my words right now. You call me here for work, I will come. Yep. Um, but also my sister lives here and I come to visit her. She's always performing in shows. She's performing at the Guthrie all the time. She's Mm -hmm. just went on in Raisin in the Sun. She's about to go on again. She's understudying that that show. Austin Van directing that one. mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. She's about to do, uh, 
what is it called? Murder on the Orient Express. She's going to Cincinnati to do it, and then they're bringing it back to the Guthrie here. Wow. Um, and so I'm always visiting her to do shows. Yeah. And while she's gone, I might come and, you know. Did you see Raisin in the Sun yet? I have. I've seen it. Oh, I've only seen it once. But yeah, I saw I saw mm. when she went on to understudy. With Jamesia singing in there too? She was not singing in it, um, but she was in the show. It, yeah, she's Her great. Her voice is unreal. It's it's funny when you see someone who's got an incredible voice and then they're not singing in a show. And you're yeah. Like, that was a wasted oh. opportunity. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I mean, you know, it's she does a great job in that show. Oh, I have no doubt. Yeah. No, Super no wasted there. opportunities. But like, she's yeah. also really, you know, a credible singer. Yeah, with Sounds of Blackness. Yeah, and I also heard her at Bunkers a few weeks ago. Oh, yeah, she was just popping in. They're like, "You want to come on stage?" Yeah, I'll come yeah. on stage. Yeah. I saw John Mayer once pop up with the combo back. What? In the day. Yeah, and he was here with um, Jessica Simpson. She was sitting in the back booth while he was up there ripping on the guitar. Bunkers. Yeah, Man. it's like like you never it's like bunkin'. Prince used to sit in the back corner while the combo was playing. Like he'd come and sneak in. Oftentimes, Jellybean Johnson from The Time is in there, the drummer he from was, The Time. He was just there. He oh played my guitar on that song Black Cat by Janet. It just murders yeah. me, like, how incredible, like, how incredible musicianship that's happening on stages, and yet how, like, chill the place is. It's yeah. like a dive bar. <laughs> yeah. And it's like... And it's been that way. And they just have popcorn. I guess they have food sometimes. Is that true? Don't or go they used eat to. that popcorn. Leave that shit alone. Okay, I've been I eating mean, a come lot on. of that popcorn. I mean, okay, do what you gotta do. But at the same time, it's like, who else was digging their hands in that popcorn before you got to it? I don't know. Okay, yeah. That's it great. smells good. It's designed to make you go drink some more, of course. Yeah. I, I do like the popcorn, though. Yeah. It's alright. But like the... You can okay. like the popcorn. It's alright. I'm trying. <laughs> I'm Look... I like popcorn. I get yeah. I get so hungry when I'm there too. I bet. I'm like dancing, you know. It's just, you know, not like not tap dancing sometimes, but you know, you have been just yeah. on the floor. Yeah, yeah. And again, next Sunday, come come see me next Let Sunday. Know. Let's do it. Um, I'm down. Next Sunday after I don't know they start at like nine fifteen, nine thirty. Yeah. And I'll probably be on for like the second or third set. Yeah, they're not gonna bring it up during the first set. Absolutely. That's not. the warm up. I don't. I won't be there. Well, yeah. maybe I will. I mean, maybe I will. Exactly. Yeah. Man. I feel so cool. I walk in there now, and like the, the bouncers know me, so they just let me in. They just give you a pound. Yeah. You know. <laughs> it's sick. <laughs> That's the way to be. I know. wrong I, with that? Especially, like, you know, at a place that is, like, as historic as bunkers, just the, the people who have been there, the people who are there now. Yeah. Just, it's, it's cool. <laughs> yeah. It's amazing that it's, it's just bunking. right there. Yeah, after after the tap festivals when they would be going on here, it'd be like, let's go down there. We brought Brill down there. Oh yeah, he was digging it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, Ugh. good ass band. Did you ever go to um, Kingston Mines down in Chicago? Yeah, I've been there once before. They got like I two stages. Buy it. Mm-hmm. Like one stage goes on break, and then the other stage fires it up. Man, the Chicago music scene is lovely. Yeah. I mean, Minneapolis, though, like, I I knew it was good out here, but, like, I didn't know it was as, like, I didn't know that it was what it was. Catches like, you off guard, doesn't it? It's like everyone in this city is, to some degree, famous, when, it, like, in terms of, like, all these musicians have worked with Prince. I keep meeting someone, they're like, oh, yeah, I, I did this show with Prince. That's like the combo, like, most of those people. 
Like Sonny Thompson taught Prince guitar. Yeah. Is that real? I mean, have you, like the Diamonds and Pearls album, the love mm. symbol? He's on all that too. Like, yeah. look at the photos in there. I was just like on he definitely Instagram taught scroll him, yeah. through. He was like in a Corey Wong video. And of course, yes. Corey Wong is just honored to be on stage with Sonny, which is funny. Absolutely. It, not funny. It's real, but also like amazing to me that I could meet someone who's that yeah. cool. Yeah. And Victor Wooten was in that video too. I saw that video recently. Yes. I'm like, what? That was- Victor was shredding in that video, too. Uh, and and Sonny's on guitar. He's like, I don't even need to play bass right now. Like, no. Okay. okay. <laughs> I posted that video on my Instagram stories one day, too. I was like, I'm just going to gonna put this out there even more. Mm. Yeah, that was great. Well, yeah, thank you for having me. Yeah, today. thank you for being here, man. Like, Okay, so once once again, tell, tell me your website one more time. My website. So we that. You, can, you can go to timebricky.com if that's easy for you, or you can type H E Y T I dot M E. Hey, tot, mm, hey, time, you know, but hey, tot, mm. And that will take you to my page. You'll see like a little info on me. You'll see my tap board business there. Yes. And, you know, hire me for jobs or just, you know, send me some love. Yes. Wait, so what's the chat board business called? Time on the Wood. Time on the Wood. It's also at Time on the Wood on Instagram. No, yeah, you got this. No underscores or spaces or anything like that. Go follow it. Yeah, go follow it. My, uh, well, you know, my personal Instagram is always changing, so I'm not even going to say it. But, you know, I'm, I tag myself in there, too, if you want to just follow, you know, the real me. You get the real <laughs> scoop. I don't really post much on anything. <laughs> Man, it's all right. But every once in a while, you'd be like, oh, time was at this show, or someone tagged time in a thing, and then you'll know there he is. that I was tagged. Yes. So, congrats for both of us. Man. Well, thank you so much for being here, man. <laughs> thank you. Thank you to me. Andy. Shout out to Andy Oswald. Shout out there. to Andy. Running engineer mode for us today. Yeah. Shout out to the kitchen that we're standing yeah, in. Yeah, right here in the kitchen in Apartment 101. World's very first, first on the planet Earth, 2022. Stand up. Fifteenth, very first standing podcast. Standing podcast happened here. Standing room only, y'all. Standing room only. I do like that name for. A I mean, it could work. Yeah, it could good. be something. It's good. I do have to pee though. So yeah, me too. It's, All it's right, time. let's go cross our streams real quick. Uh, well, you know, no, that's I'm cool. Gonna, that's cool. You can go, go first. Oh, yeah. right, that's cool. Well, thank you. That's nice. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks again, time. Thank you. All right, I'm gonna say something real witty after this. I'm sure I'm gonna give a plug for. Our, our sponsors, I'd like to give a shout out to Matt at the Dancing Fair, dancingfair.com. Matt, yeah, go Matt. Yes. <laughs> also, Ellen and Kathy. Go Ellen. Ellen Keen and Kathy Wind. Kathy Wind. Ellen Keen Keen. Sense of Rhythm. That's go so check keen. them out at tapcompany.org. Tap, 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 tap. Yes. Thank you all for being here. We've got more of these coming up, so I hope oh, you're wow. going to be staying tuned. Keep rocking. Keep throwing those shoes on and getting that aggression out on the floor. <laughs> Time on the wood. Keep getting that in. All right, thank you all. Bye bye. Bye. Once again, I want to thank Mr. Time Bricky for joining us today and sharing all these wonderful stories and insights. And also like to give a shout out and thank you to Matt and Carrie over at the Dancing Fair. Check them out at dancingfair.org if you need tap shoes or custom shoes built or repairs. Also like to give a shout out to Ellen and Kathy. Over with Keen Sense of Rhythm, and I can't wait to their event that's coming up this weekend on Friday and Saturday, May 27th and 28th. Oh, it's going to be a party. Check them out once again at tapcompany.org. And I'd like to give a thank you to you. Thanks for being here. Thanks for listening. And we've got 
plenty of more episodes on the way. I can't wait. I'm going to bring a microphone down to this, these events this weekend and see if we can get some impromptus. We'll see how this goes. But once again, we'd like to thank you for being here and have a wonderful week. Bye-bye. Travel Podcast.
hosted by Rick Osland, is available on Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, and Anchor.fm. Connect with us today on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Cut!